just a yeah, just a written, no uh, uh, public speaking. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Hi there. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, Anne, are you speaking on number three? The uh, Maple Court? Okay. Good to see you. I'm glad I can join you here. It's awesome. Yeah, totally. How are you doing? Communication too, right? It wasn't able to get to the last one, but that that was sad. Yeah. Was it? I just got it. I wasn't able to see it. So hopefully they're here. Here? Are you presenting? You're welcome. I am presenting. Nice. I'm moving up in the world. So excited to have a.
Okay, good evening. Uh, welcome to tonight's meeting of the Design Review Committee. Uh, we're going to proceed with roll call. Uh, Madam Clerk, or if not Madam, Mr. Clerk. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Commissioner Cormain? Here. Commissioner Kiesel? Here. Commissioner Tomasello? Here. Vice Chair Groudon? Here. And Chair Anselman? Here. And a quorum is present. Just a question. We're, we're a committee member. We're not a commission. We're, we're committee members. Oh, excuse me, committee members. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay. And if I could just remind you to speak uh, closer to the microphone. Thank sure. you so much. Hopefully it's working. Okay. Okay, public communication. Uh, public communication is the time we set aside during the committee meeting for members of the public to address the committee on planning-related business other than scheduled agenda items. Persons wishing to address the committee during the public communications period of the meeting should fill out a speaker form prior to the committee reaching the point of the agenda. So at this time, is there uh, anyone that wishes to speak on an issue that's not coming up before the council? I mean, not council, but our committee uh, this evening? Okay, uh, could you bring your speaker card up? Uh, I did. Oh, you did. These okay. are for non-agenda matters, so something not appearing on our agenda this evening. Okay. So seeing none, then we're gonna, we're gonna move on to consent items. And we do have one consent item this evening. It's approval of the meeting minutes for July uh, 21, 2022. Uh, are there any edits or comments? Okay, uh, seeing none, then how about a motion for approval? I'll move to approve the July minutes. And if I can just interject, uh, if we can read into the motion the corrected date for the minutes, that would be great. Okay, well the corrected date is the 21st. The, uh, the agenda does note it as being the 20th. Thank you. So that has been corrected. Okay, so we have a motion for approval. Second? I'll, se I'll second. Okay. Second. Okay, Clerk, could you proceed uh, with the roll, please? Yes, uh, Committee Member Cormain? Uh, I guess I abstain. Abstain, okay. Committee Member Kiesel? Abstain. Committee member Tomasello? Yes. Vice Chair Groudon? Yes. And Chair Anselman? Yes. Okay, and the motion carries. Okay, now we're going to move forward into formal items. My understanding is the first project is being. That's correct, yes. The uh, first, the applicant for item two has uh, wished to continue to the uh, September 21st hearing. Um, due to their want to revise their plans. So staff recommendation is to continue that item to okay. the 21st. And we'll need a motion for continuance, correct? That is correct. Okay, do I? I'll move to continue item two to the, what was it, September 21st hearing? That is correct. Thank you. Second? Second. I'll second it. Okay, uh, clerk, could you please call the roll? Committee member Cormain? Yes. Committee member Kiesel? Yes. Tomasello? Yes. Vice Chair Groudon? Yes. And Chair Anselman? Yes. Okay. And motion carries. 
Okay, the next item on the agenda is Project J-22-0121 Maple Court Conceptual Design Review located at 290 Maple Court. So my understanding is this just a conceptual review uh, and basically we're here to help the applicant, uh, advise the applicant and try to point them in a direction that we think might be appropriate for the design. Okay, could we please have staff presentation? Yes. Uh, for this introduction, I'm gonna not talk as much about the project as I will t uh, talk about the uh, process and what step we are in the process for the benefit of, of, of the new DRC members as well as the public. Uh, the applicant will have their own presentation where they will talk about uh, the project design itself. Uh, as the chair noted, this is a conceptual review item. Uh, this is not a formal application at this point. Uh, the applicant, the purpose of tonight is to get early feedback uh, from the DRC on the project design uh, so that the applicant can take that under consideration as they prepare their formal application. Uh, when they do apply for a formal application, it will come back to DRC for a formal recommendation. Uh, based on uh, staff's initial review of the project, the DRC's recommendation would go to the planning commission for a final action. Important to note, a conceptual review is not a required step. Given the size of the project, uh, uh, the applicants agreed, voluntarily agreed to come to a conceptual review. Uh, this has, from staff's standpoint, uh, a number of benefits. Gives the opportunity for the DRC to provide early input on the design. Uh, gives an opportunity for the community to be aware that the project is, 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 is in the works. There is a drawback and that is a conceptual review. There, all the details aren't there. Uh, and, and as long as we go into an understanding, the details aren't there and the purpose isn't to address every detail, uh, that it's to address the larger issues, uh, then, then that could be fine. Uh, the plans have gone through a round of internal staff analysis. Uh, we have uh, planning group, building group, Public Works Land Development, Transportation, Water, and, and the Fire Department are all uh, departments that review these type of projects. They have taken a look at the project and um, based on the information available, the project can work. Um, the project is 350 units, uh, up to five stories, 60 feet in height. Uh, it's important to note that the existing 2005 general plan allows up to 54 units per acre on this site. The project does not exceed that. Uh, also important to note that um, there's a lot of discussion happening in the community about the new general plan. Very important, the existing general plan that's in place today and has been in place since 2005 uh, is, is what is being used. Uh, the existing zoning, uh, which dates back to at least 1971, allows six stories on this site. Uh, existing zoning does not have any form-based standards that exist in other parts of the city. Uh, I think the DRC uh, sees a lot of projects either in, in, in downtown or in, in, in the midtown quarter that have form-based codes in place. Uh, this zoning district does not have that. Uh, it is basically uh, basic setbacks, height limits, uh, 
state law does require the city, effectively require the city to approve a housing project that complies with the density and height requirements of the city. Uh, that puts the city in a position where, uh, barring a change in state law in the, in, in the coming months, um, we will have to approve this project in some form, uh, project of this size. Uh, and so, as written in the staff report, uh, we encourage all parties to consider the project from the perspective of if the city has to approve a 350 unit mixed use project on this site, how can we make it the best possible? Uh, having said that, we fully understand that there are gonna be many members of the community opposed to this project uh, and, and the state laws will not change their position. The main area of feedback that staff would like DRC input on is with building placement and massing. Uh, I think in the applicant's presentation that will become more apparent. Uh, if DRC sees opportunities to change the massing in a matter that uh, uh, is beneficial to the design, those comments will be extremely valuable and uh, appreciated. Any other design comments are, as usual, also welcome. Uh, the design isn't finalized, but, but the bones are there and, and some themes are there, so I think there's, there's uh, ample opportunity for the DRC to comment on them. And uh, that concludes staff's presentation. And um, next step would be that the applicant could come forward uh, and present, followed by Q&A, uh, followed by public comment, and I'm just saying that again primarily for the benefit of, of the public to know the order of items. Okay, uh, do we, uh, we have a representative uh, of the project here today. Uh, would you like to speak, please? Hi, my name is Keith McCloskey with KTGY Architects. Um, here uh, on behalf of uh, Skya Ventures, um, presenting the Maple Court project tonight. Yeah, if you could go to the next slide, Levi. So this first slide just gives an overview of the project location on the lower right. Um, the existing project site consists of uh, three office buildings that would be uh, demolished and replaced with these two new mixed-use buildings. You can go to the next slide. And then some of the surrounding context, uh, there's the aerial in the center um, there that shows uh, four existing office buildings. The three that we're looking at um, are the ones on the eastern edge uh, and the northern side. Okay, next slide. You can skip forward. So on this slide, this basically shows the upper left is the essentially the zoning envelope for the project. This is the, um, the footprint with setbacks and a 60-foot height limit that's prescribed in the zoning. And so what we wanted to do is look at how do we break up the overall massing of the project into smaller, unique buildings. break up the building massing into um, two smaller buildings where we basically look at um, 
having each one essentially as its own subcomponent of the overall project. Um, we started looking at breaking that up with a linear paseo that basically separates the site uh, east-west and has a northern half and a southern half. And then began looking at how do we place the building massing here so that individual wings of residential above the podium courtyards begin to essentially pull forward and address the, the street and the edges in really a sensitive way where we're pulling forward, um, say, 70-foot wide building wings. So like as you look at... Um, the eastern edge of the project uh, near the homes to that edge, that's essentially a two-story massing that then steps back with 15-foot um, deep patios and then beyond that up to a four-story massing with two levels of residential over um, two levels of parking with liner units. And then um, each one of these buildings has at least two or three courtyards that essentially separate the residential form create massing breaks along the uh, public street frontages or the internal drive and uh, paseo. And so in order to create that massing, what we tried to do is um, look at putting the bulk of the height kind of internal to the project where it stays um, set in by the public uh, paseo that we have through the middle. Um, that location there would also serve for visitor parking and um, guest and uh, leasing parking as well as for uh, the small commercial spaces. We can go to the next slide. So here in, in site plan, you can see the parking structures along the uh, street and driveway frontages are lined with residential units. Um, that happens both on the south, the, the western edge, and then the Paseo fronting sides, uh, as well as the western edge. And then around the entirety of the site, we've got a fire EVA that uh, is there for access, um, ladder access up to these courtyards. Um, but it also helps give a nice buffer um, to the sites around. So I think the required setback here is um, five foot side yards. Um, in most cases, we have about uh, closer to 40 feet so that we can fit an EVA and um, a small linear uh, planting buffer um, on the perimeter of the site. And so that EVA wraps around uh, the entirety of the east and the north edges. And then each one of the parking structures has uh, its own um, dedicated entrance into it. So on the uh, southeast corner of the southern building, we'll have an entrance there. And then on the western side of the northern building. And then the, the darker uh, red boxes there in the center of the project, that's where the commercial space would be provided. And that commercial space is really envisioned to be neighborhood serving um, and resident serving uses. So not to compete with uh, other spaces that are already at the mall, but we're imagining that this is stuff that is gonna save traffic, save trips by actually keeping services that residents would need to travel to here on site. So whether it's co-working, um, it could be operated by a third party a commercial operator or potentially daycare for people that live in the building or in the neighborhood. Um, things that would actually be there that they wouldn't have to drive to that we could have on site due to the um, amount of residents that would be living on site. We'd like to be able to provide the um, uh, commercial uses that are going to be supportive to those and actually um, be more convenient for the, the tenants and for the neighbors. And um, yeah, the, the Paseo that runs down here, um, we've got some, some grade change. So some of those units that are set on the very eastern side, start to get buried a little bit. Um, we've basically got 
um, probably two to three feet of grade change there. So they're kind of sunken patios. So it's more like um, one and a half stories or you know, 1.7 stories of um, liner program for the garage and then the two stories above it on that eastern edge. And you can go to the next slide. And then the second story, um, I think we're really envisioning these units to you know, feel like a two-story uh, townhome around the perimeter of the site where the building hits the street frontages. And these units that wrap the size of the garage would essentially um, go up to about 22 feet in height. Next slide. And as we get up to the podium level, this is uh, the third floor of the project. This is where all of the open space for the project would be provided. So each of these uh, five uh, resident courtyards would consist of passive um, and active uses. So like we've got a, a pool court that's centered on the south-facing courtyard that opens up to Maple Drive. Um, that one is good for solar access, but it also keeps kind of the um, activity and noise kind of isolated internally to the project versus putting it out on the edges. And then the other, um, that happens also on the north building on the, the western courtyard, that would be our, our pool court. And then the other two are more passive, kind of quiet, like Zen garden type uses that would be um, outdoor landscaped uh, patios, probably with um, some fire pits or seating areas for residents. And then the amenity spaces and the, the bigger uh, pink boxes there, those are uh, more like large scale uh, club rooms, amenities uh, that are there for indoor activities as well, fitness, etc. Next slide. And then this is the, uh, the fourth floor. This is where you see basically additional units here, but then some of the, um, the lighter boxes that are there are the volume of the spaces below. So there's some double height amenity spaces there that open out onto the uh, courtyards. Next slide. And then uh, up on the fifth floor, this is essentially the uh, extent of where the fifth floor massing would be. And we've tried to keep it kind of centered to the block um, alongside uh, Maple Court. Um, I think this has been envisioned that Maple Court would be vacated and that the existing road that's there uh, for those office buildings would um, become essentially an internal driveway to the project, uh, access to the commercial parking as well as to the parking structure itself. And then um, on the kind of center of the buildings, we'll have some additional room for for roof terraces that are pulled back, um, kind of overlooking the middle courtyards of the project. And then the, the lighter outlines are the fourth floor below. Um, and so you can see the U-shaped courtyard up in the, the northwest corner. That, that's the five-story portion of that building. And then the kind of linear L building on the, uh, the south is um, held central to the project as well. You can go to the next slide. And then for the elevations, what we've tried to do is really create a building massing that um, starts to really establish um, a base to the project. Um, so everything that you see uh, on the first two levels there, that is essentially its own kind of freestanding massing and the, the additional two to three stories above it are um, set off with a plane change so that they're um, essentially not any um, vertical elements that come all the way down to the ground. And then we changed that language a little bit at the commercial areas that are internal to the project where um, some of those four or five story elements come down with kind of vertical elements. We had uh, the addition of some canopies in certain locations for commercial signage uh, as 
essentially a tool for wayfinding to help differentiate the commercial portion of the project from some of the residential. And then um, the view that's uh, at the bottom of the page, uh, the south-facing view there, that's essentially uh, facing the Paseo that's internal to the project, um, the commercial space as well as the amenity space there um, is what's essentially lining that um, uh, linear plaza that uh, residents or visitors would be circulating in between the buildings. And then on the north, um, Sorry, the top build, top uh, elevation up there is actually the Maple Drive elevation. Next slide. Yeah, so east elevation. Uh, this essentially gives you the idea of how the different massing components have been broken up into some of these smaller wings to focus on um, some smaller scale building portions. Most of the wings for the residential are about 70 feet in width and in most cases end up daylighting out at exterior edges um, in that fashion in order to um, keep any external edges from uh, really getting too long. Next slide. And then these are the last two elevations, the, uh, the east side and then the, uh, the north elevation of um, the Paseo side up there. So it gives you an idea of the kind of variation between some of the courtyard views that you get, um, some of the step back and just uh, plain changes in a parapet height to create uh, kind of unique or separate detached massing elements throughout the project. And then some of the commercial areas are accented with contrasting uh, material surrounds and storefronts to kind of define a, a different architectural uh, style there. Next slide. And then the building sections. Um, this gives you an idea of really how the, the parking structures work here and how the units are wrapping or aligning it. Um, so in the, in the middle blow up section there, um, section BB, that one gives you an idea of the kind of stepping that happens between the second and third floor um, on the right hand side of that. Um, that street frontage elevation uh, basically has the uh, two-story element that steps back to um, the three stories of residential above the podium. And then the two levels of parking, as you can see, towards the north end of that building, that's where they start to get varied by grade. So it's essentially like a, a level and a half of parking with three levels of residential above. And next slide, please. And then a couple other sections uh, cut the other direction. Um, You can get an idea from the lower right section there where that meets some of the edges, um, some varied building conditions where you get two-story liner units with the uh, units on the third and fourth floor uh, stepped out. Next slide. And then uh, this is the perspective off of Maple Drive. This is the um, four-story section on the right and the five-story on the left or west section of the southern building. And the two-story elements there um, gonna be direct access uh, stoop units. So they'll have accessible entries from the parking garage, uh, fire-rated corridor, but also external access um, to the, uh, the street frontage there. 
So the existing condition is a fairly large berm. I think it's probably about six, seven feet of berm. We'd be setting the elevation of the parking structure um, in about three to four feet below that. So it's still going to be elevated above grade slightly, um, but almost flush by the time you get to the southeast corner. Um, that last unit would almost be at grade. And then as you work your way uh, to the west, uh, closer to the entrance drive, um, there's up to three feet of grade change. And so those would all have kind of individual private uh, access stairs and private patios. And then on the second floor, we'd have um, private balconies. And then where that uh, line of the two-story uh, units at, the at grade are, um, where it steps back to the white massing, that's where the um, the plane change or the additional step back occurs. Next slide. So this is a view from the southeast corner looking towards um, the entrance drive off on the far left. Uh, this is where the access to the parking uh, would be as well as the fire EVA would wrap around this backside. So where we've got that 35 foot or so setback there um, for the fire lane. I mean, we're imagining that to be an area that could be used by residents for um, just walking or kind of passive uh, recreation. Um, oh, you'll have the opportunity to do that once you we let everybody talk <laughs> and then we'll yeah. open it up for questions. So this is the Maple Drive elevation. So it's south facing. Maple Street. And then um, if you go to uh, next slide. Uh, this is the, the main entry drive um, to the project that's going to uh, access the retail commercial space that's at the end of the intersection there. Um, so southerly buildings on your right and then the north building uh, ahead of you. Next slide. And then the five-story element in the foreground here is the commercial component at the ground floor with the um, uh, three levels of residential above. So it's a two-story, 20-foot height um, commercial space, uh, possibly some room for some me mezzanine square footage, but um, um, you can see the liner units or residential first and second story units uh, to the right of that that are lining that residential street. Those would all have direct uh, on-grade access as well along this entry drive. And then the landscape um, plaza and paseo uh, sits immediately to the left of this building. Next slide. Uh, so this is an aerial roof plan uh, that just shows the uh, solar study of the uh, potential uh, shadow impacts for the project uh, where those sit. Gives you an idea of the, um, the height of the three-story elements over the parking as well as the um, the courtyard shading. And those are all the exhibits that we have for tonight. Happy to answer any questions on the design that come up. Okay, well, I think we're going to start with uh, any members of the committee have uh, questions of staff at this point? Okay, there's no questions. I, I had one question of, of staff. Um, Maple Court, is that, it appears that that's not a a public street currently. Um, can you describe how that functions with some of the other adjacent uses? It looks like maybe they were all built at the same time and it was a shared uh, access road with easements or 
What what easements exist over that area? Currently, is a currently it is a public right of way. Uh, as as the applicant mentioned, they are looking to vacate that right of way as a part of this project. Sorry, it looks like it's part of the the project boundary. I think that's there that's the proposed project boundary. If it was vacated, it would go to the center line uh, of each side. So I think that's why it's being included at this point on the proposed plans. So is the city anticipating vacating Maple Court? Uh, that is part of the proposal. Yes, and if this project was built, uh, the city would not have interest in having that street or maintaining uh, that cul-de-sac, um, as it it would serve really only this project and, and the neighboring office. Uh, the applicant owns the neighboring office as well, and if a vacation is done, then they will have to go through that process and give easements, access easements throughout so that uh, those offices can still function. Questions. This is for staff. Um, so height and density are, in they're in compliant. They're compliant, correct? With our with the current with zoning. the with the current zoning current and zoning. the general plan designation. That's correct. And will you, did you say we will see this again? Okay. That's it for me. Okay. Then uh, we'll entertain questions uh, to the applicant. Um, I'm going to start from left to right, if you don't mind. <laughs> Well, well, I'd like to say um, thank you for bringing us in here uh, early and giving everyone a chance to see it and comment on it. I appreciate that. Also, appreciate the kind of articula articulation, carving out those U-shapes, intersecting U-shapes that are as a landscape architect, creating outdoor opportunities and, and plazas and, and common areas. Um, I'll be uh, curious to see the next time uh, it comes in. I'm sure at that time you guys will have a landscape architect and we'll have a more um, definitive program for those spaces too. And I, do you guys have one at this point in time? No, not at this yeah. time. Yeah. We took this to pre-app level and submitted it for mm -hmm. staff comments um, at the time of pre-app. You know, before we took it too far, we just wanted to bring the initial concept ideas of the um, building placement, massing, courtyard orientations, just to make sure that we're headed in the right direction. And then as we refine it, um, start to elaborate on program. You know, there's five different courtyards, two for one building, three for the other. So we have the ability to kind of really cater unique programs to each. They each have different exposures, some on public street, some facing neighbors, so the sensitivity of those adjacencies will certainly play a role in how we sculpt those uh, open spaces and how we program them. Yeah, and I appreciate Tony's question there about the um, Maple Court. Um, you could see that if you were to adopt that, that there could be opportunities there for more, you know, interesting paving and to kind of, right, really enliven the, that area even more, make it feel more residential. So be interesting to see there. So, so uh, a few questions. Um, I, I, I ask you about the landscape program. 
Um, I, I guess it does look like you guys are taking into consideration that residential area and then kind of like you're stepping back the massing there of the buildings. Correct, yeah. Basically the, um, the edge condition on the east side mm -hmm. is uh, two stories, then it steps back to um, its second massing element which goes to four stories in those extensions. Uh, so the residential wings that extend out towards the east are uh, four story and then they step back to five and I think by the time they're at um, say four story those are about 40 to 50 feet off the PL and then by the time you get up to five stories you're close to 100 feet away from the adjacent property line. Yeah it looks like you got enough room there for um, screening which I, I think will be key especially for our neighbors and there might even be some opportunities to add additional like green roof type materials to help again screen the upper units. Um, the the one area, one thing I, I've, my one concern right now has to do I think with the architectural style a little bit. I think maybe it feels a little institutional potentially. Um, I, I think what might, you, you can tell me as far as your concept here on, on the architecture but I know there's that desire, you're kind of in an industrial area, you kind of got the residential on the one side, which is really mostly one story, uh, two story stuff, and then here you have this larger massing that you're trying to kind of match across the way there. Um, maybe you could speak a little bit more ab about that approach, and then maybe I'll, I'll leave that to some of the architects here, what they might start to suggest is ways to maybe kind of adjust the massing. I might even suggest hold the booze, what happens if you go even six, another story, then you can start to, uh, you know, play with the bassing a little more even. Excuse me, Doc, I think mm -hmm. at this point we're really asking mm -hmm. questions. Later on we're gonna okay. have a discussion where we can, we can deal with those issues. Okay, sorry about and that, first time. Clarification. Okay. Right. Thank you, Tony, you were supposed to cut me off, okay. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll leave it at that um, to the rest of the thing. Okay, Julia, do you have any comments? Questions? Um, the only questions I really have, I've, you said it's mixed use. Is it all vertical mixed use? Is there a horizontal mixed use? Is it, is it mix, mixed use on the it's perimeter? It's vertical mixed use in that it's um, got commercial on the ground floor, okay. uh, double height commercial space with three levels of residential above. Um, and each building has its own small commercial component, um, which are both facing or flanking onto that uh, Paseo space. But in terms of sizes, let me give you the exact numbers, but they're, One's 2,600 on the north, 2,300 on the south. So it's just about 5,000 square feet of commercial space total. So we're not trying to necessarily make this a commercial building, but we think that that small amount of retail or commercial that might occupy that would actually be serving to keep residents on site, whether it's co-working, daycare, um, some kind of supportive use that um, hopefully has less traffic rather than more. And my other question was, it would be a little redundant, but it's, you're gonna have a landscape architect on board, right? <laughs> okay, because it, it's pretty uh, sparse. And then materials, you're, you're rendering materials, you're showing materials in your model. What are you considering as far as just your, if you, um, you're the majority of the materials, maybe the vertical elements, and then there's insets, and, the, the, and then the ground space materials? Yeah, so, we're imagining there's gonna be some diversity in the material type just to break down the scale of some of the individual building elements. So some of the commercial areas that face the Paseo would be kind of a 
thin brick cladding. Um, we'll also have stucco. We'll have some uh, horizontal lap fiber cement siding. And then we're envisioning having some um, accent areas of um, contrasting stucco color, um, as well as um, potentially some uh, stone veneer at the elevator towers. So I think the majority, probably 80% of the building would be a fiber cement stucco accommodation, and then some of the masonry materials are probably uh, 10 to 20%, depending on the building and the specific location. You don't have a page in here that has materials, do you? There's not, there's not, I didn't see a, ma a materials board. You no, don't have we, okay. we don't have one. So do we basically assume that the, the colors that we're looking at are going to be kind of what you just represented as materials? Correct, yeah. W where are you in this model? as far as material materialism and, and uh, I guess definition, because there's a lot of things that, that I guess we can comment, but um, I'm just wondering where, where you feel like as, as an architecture office that, you're, that you are. I mean, are you completely early schematic or are you preliminary? Are you uh, we, we start are schematics you after we have kind of approval of concept design. And so for us, we're at like 50% concept. So you're in concept, you're yeah. not even in the schematic? No. Yet. Okay, cool. No. Okay, thank you. That's all. Tony, you have any comments? I mean, questions? Uh, yeah, questions, thank you. Um, so I'm curious, uh, a 6.4 acre site is, is um, especially if it, you're anticipating the demolition of the existing structures, is uh, kind of a blank slate, which is nice to start with. Um, did you, uh, did you, analyze or study any other product types other than the stacked flats as part of the development program? Um, we looked at different configurations of this product type, but I wouldn't say alternate product types. Um, at the 54 units to the acre, I mean, we could do one big wrap structure, or maybe two smaller wrap structures, but in order to maximize building stepping, um, the wrap doesn't necessarily do that. So podium construction, while it's more expensive, gives us more flexibility to push and pull some of the residential wings that sit on upper floors. And so that's why the developer was looking to do podium construction here. Okay. Um, and what's the current um, size of the property, excluding the right-of-way area? Do you know that? Do you happen to know that? I think it's just below six acres. It's below six. Yeah. It looked like uh, in the northern building on the east side, it looked like on the second story, there's a string um, of units along the east side. Um, at first, I thought they were the townhome units similar to the rest of what's wrapping the podium. Is, is that not the case? Are those j only on the second floor and served by like an internal corridor? On the, yeah, the very northeast corner. Yeah. Yeah, those at the second level um, extend all the way up to the northern property line, and there's an internal um, fire-rated corridor that separates the structure uh, of the parking for the units on that eastern edge. Was there any reason to not bring those down to the ground, though, like the other townhouse units? Um, I think they just get buried uh, under grade. Yeah. Right, that's right. You've got the I think on we've, that side. we've got about eight feet of grade fall from the south up to the north, and so um, yeah, that level of the garage—that's the first floor we could call it at the uh, north building—really is 
a couple feet lower on the south side of that building, but then it's close to a full story as you work your way up to the back. So the, the building massing is less, but also units aren't really viable at that level. And is it not quite at grade, so they wouldn't be able to have like an entry or a stoop or anything to uh, have some type of access on into that uh, higher access lane, the open space out there? Yeah, potentially, like if it ran parallel to the building facade, like with a narrow three-foot stair, we could probably get uh, direct access to that EVA zone. But I think because of the um, elevation change, if it's six risers, we've got only a few feet before we get to the fire lane. Mm -hmm. So it may be challenging, but certainly something that could be studied to make sure that that direct access from the exterior gets maintained uh, for those second floor units once they get close enough to grade. But yeah, in that north corner, that's basically um, utility for like a mechanical, um, maybe resident storage down there, uh, since it's largely buried under the, the grade there. And then the uh, fire access lane that wraps around, um, that is not intended to be uh, for regular vehicles, it's just for EVA? Correct, yeah. Would that be separated with some type of bollards or a gate and a knox yeah. box or? Um, right now, I mean, I think we'd like to keep it open for residents to really feel comfortable walking out there. And so I think the thought is that, you know, 99% of the time it's not being used. So while we can't necessarily do any furnishings and we can't do plants and things like that, um, but if we could do some kind of grasscrete or other uh, permeable pavers, something like that, that it, it could be, you know, still an opportunity to become maybe while it's not classified as open space, still you know, function as that for okay. residents. Um, in terms of building massing, uh, especially for the, the stack flats kind of above the podium, were there any other configurations, I, I guess specifically kind of looking at the south building, um, that wing uh, along the east side that kind of faces out towards a residential um, neighborhood to the east? Was there any thought of making that um, kind of a, you know, your traditional E shape or backwards E shape so that you would have less uh, units facing the residential uses? Um, I think when we were studying some of the different courtyard layouts and residential uh, unit layouts, we had looked at trying to get uh, better solar access, um, but we also liked the fact that on you know, that public street frontage that the scale of the building didn't feel ominous, that it had a little bit of um, uh, break to it. And that uh, since we already had a break on the, the eastern side, that gave us opportunities to break down the scale on, on both edges. But um, in terms of number of units that face towards the east, that would certainly be a way to, to look at minimizing those. Actually so reducing yeah. massing along that. Mm -hmm. And then just a couple more, I, I apologize, thank you for bearing with me. Um, the commercial uses, uh, the location of those, I, I understand the desire to have it be kind of serving this development specifically. Um, you know, Maple Street further toward Mills gets a little more commercial. Uh, obviously it's sort of right in that transition zone. Um, did, were there any studies or, um, What's the thinking of pulling those commercial uses out to the street as you'd see in a typical mixed-use building? Yeah, I think you know you hinted at um, some of our intent, which was really to keep it as more resident 
serving commercial space, but also the way that the nature of the existing maple court geometry and that area for that driveway allowed some uh, ability to get uh, more on-grade parking there, um, rather than having a structure where the commercial and residential are parked inside the structure, um, which we could certainly do if, let's say, the commercial or part of it moved to the southwest corner of the south building. Um, it could certainly be more visible there, um, but it would probably make sense to have the commercial parking maybe just behind it inside the structure versus having uh, some of the parking uh, surface kind of right outside. So we were kind of going towards convenience as well. Um, so that upon arrival, folks could park outside of the, the structure and then walk uh, directly to the uh, commercial spaces. And in, in this road configuration, it looks like, um, what, what is the width of the current right of way? I believe it is. Um, I believe it's 40 feet. Like the roadway itself is 25. Curb to curb. Curb to curb is 25. I thought I saw potentially some street parking along at least one of the sides. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case, but uh, in a 25-foot configuration, that, that, that wouldn't be possible. Um. Yeah, one of the things that we could look at is, I mean, right now we've got more of the resident parking inside the structure, but if the structure were to get more compact, um, we could look at potentially widening that drive to allow for at least uh, one side of parallel parking out there. Um, and then I, I understand that this is my, this is my last question. Um, very conceptual at this point in time. Um, I, I do understand that um, this uh, zoning has few regulations for mixed use or residential types of products. Um, but bike parking is something that I think uh, is a valuable amenity in these types of developments, um, specifically in this part of town, basically anything you know, Midtown West, I think, is is uh, way up there on in terms of bikeability. Um, I only saw one potential location uh, in the northern building for for bicycle parking. Um, was there any thinking in terms of that yet, or, or kind of unique amenities to to try to limit um, vehicle uh, trips uh, and encourage um, kind of lean into the walkability, bikeability of this neighborhood? Yeah, we've got uh, bike parking in both buildings, um, in the northeast corner of the south building and then the southeast corner of the north building. Um, but we also have some uh, amenity space for each building kind of at grade there at um, those entrances into the public plaza space. And so certainly opportunities to consume some of that floor area and try and have maybe a more... Um, plaza-focused bike area for both buildings um, so that folks can pull their bikes directly out to the exterior. Um, right now, they're out near the, the EVA on the eastern side, kind of tucked into the garage, but could certainly pull more forward and be become more prominent. Thank you. I think that's all my questions. Okay. Do you have any questions? Uh, yes. So uh, yes, along the eastern property line, um, the distances of the, the massive building at the lower two levels 
What is the distance of the north building from the property line? Uh, at its shortest dimension, uh, 40 feet. 40 feet. And the southern building, uh, do I read that as 28 feet? 28 feet, correct. Okay. And the height of the to the podium is about 20, 20, 20 feet? Uh, it's about 22 feet, but due to grade changes, it mm -hmm. could be slightly less than 20. Um, I think we're 22 plus the grade change on the south end of the south building. So it's it's 22 foot tall building at that area before it steps back, and then it's, so uh, it's 22 up to feet up, up to three feet of grade change before the finished floor of that uh, yeah. interior unit. And that 22 feet is 28 feet from the property line. Um, Correct. The setback on the of the two-story element on the southeast corner of that building. Um, are we looking at a height of also about 22 feet for the two stories above the podium, or is it taller? At the north building? South building. I'm looking basically at the, there's about 160 feet of building um, along that southeast corner that um, has the two-story mass on the podium, correct? Correct, yeah. And yeah, that setback is, it's about 10 feet from the edge of the two-story massing to where the edge of the four-story massing begins. Okay, so we basically have 38 feet from the property line. We have about 40 feet, 42 feet of building. Correct. Right. So it's like a one-to-one. -one. You could almost draw a diagonal line from the uh, property line at the ground up to the roof of that four-story element. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, did you contemplate a different access to the parking for the southern building? Namely, looking at its access from Maple Court as opposed to Maple Drive? Maple Street, yeah. I'm sorry, Maple so Street. Yeah, I think wh what we were trying to do is to basically split up some of the traffic so that um, not all of it is going at Maple Court on the west side of that south building. That the cars for the south building would enter on the east and the cars for the north building would enter on the west, basically splitting um, the cars that way. But, you know, given the, the grades and things, I think um, once we get up about to the middle of that south building, we're about um, at grade with what the elevation of the parking structure would be. So if we enter further north um, along Maple Court, that we could punch through um, and pull you know, the entrance off of that side instead if that was preferred. Was there any contemplation of going below grade for some of the parking and reducing the height? Uh, that was something that we considered early on and then um, as we worked through some of the kind of financial viability of the project that proved to be not financially viable to do the subterranean on this project. Even to a lesser degree of maybe half a level? Or yeah, I mean, we were, we were kind of setting um, the pad down lower than the existing building so that 
that helps uh, on bringing the overall height down, setting that in. But even though we kind of split the difference, um, the existing berm is six, six to seven feet. We're kind of pushing it down to about uh, two to three feet. And then when we get to the north end, um, the units that are on the north side of that building wouldn't be viable anymore. Like right now, they're already pushed down about three feet into the grade. So we have like a reasonable patio wall there that feels comfortable. You know, it's regular guardrail height is 42 feet. And so if we have like a, a small curb above, you know, a three foot wall, we'd be kind of at a about a 42 inch guardrail from the inside. So it makes it more comfortable from a kind of interior standpoint without making the unit too dark or too kind of oppressive without getting any natural light there. Um, so it's just kind of that balance between how much you're above <coughs> the Maple Street side on the south end and then how much you're buried on the north end. Um, so we're kind of splitting the difference right now. We're about um, got six feet of grade change and we're like in the middle, right around three feet between the two sides. And uh, final question, the fifth story element um, appears to be uh, a lot taller than the other levels. Uh, how high are we going in? Is that intrinsic to the design that they are that tall? Yeah, so the, the ceiling height there is probably um, 10 feet, but we've got a parapet above that, which we're using for integral mechanical screening. And so that's an area where you know, if we wanted to push back and have a kind of a separate plane for uh, mechanical screening, we could reduce the overall building height by about four feet, pull that parapet down, um, and then have a more traditional kind of minimal parapet, step it back, and then have mechanical screening back behind it. But we have about five feet worth of mechanical screening there so that there's not kind of a duplicative um, plane there um, that serves that purpose. Thank you. Okay, I have a few questions, and uh, they're very conceptual, and since it's a conceptual review, maybe you can address them, and uh, I'll probably be asking the same questions when you come back again. So I'm, I'm looking at uh, Ventura's in the process of redoing its general plan, plan, and there's some core values, and these questions are based on the core values that have been addressed uh, in this proposed general plan. And first question is, how does this project design reflect uh, Ventura's unique and special character. What am I going to see in here that reflects that character? Yeah, so the, the buildings are going to basically each break down into, let's call it smaller neighborhoods or pockets based on their uh, kind of design wings where they have um, wide kind of expansive courtyards. And so I think the idea of access to light and air, having these um, buildings that are broken down into these smaller elements that really have generous courtyards and access to um, lush landscaping when these are all built out. I think um, that along with the um, building kind of near where uh, there's already that infrastructure of commercial development where people can walk to a lot of things, uh, I think is one of the goals that, uh, that we think is going to be kind of key to the success of this project. Um, and then just the uh, you know, kind of the feel of uh, two-story townhomes that interact with the sidewalk that create that uh, pedestrian street edge experience um, that really tries to keep cars out of the uh, visual equation here. Um, you basically have a handful of um, kind of minimal on-grade surface parking spaces, but it creates call kind of all outward-facing architecture and engaging streetscapes where you've got uh, uh, 
uh, private patios and stoop units that are all kind of accessing and, and lining that, kind of like a traditional row home, if you will. Uh, but I mean, those are some of the qualities that we've tried to embed into the, the project. Uh, I'm sure there's others that we'll think about as we ponder that question a little bit more. Okay, another core value deals with uh, innovation and creativity. So uh, what am I seeing in this project that, that's showing me innovation and creativity in terms of its design? So I, I think a lot of the creativity that's going to come in here uh, as we work through some of the material detailing and coming up with kind of unique combinations of um, very skin and, and cladding materials, um, as well as the sustainability story, I think is one that will continue to evolve. But I think the project really has a, uh, a mission to kind of set a high bar in terms of sustainability and the way that we'll um, approach solving that. I mean, there's things that we're looking for in terms of studying things like water harvesting, you know, going all electric, um, some things that are just relatively easy decisions for developers, but I think could make a huge impact. Um, so as the project evolves, not just from a design aspect, but also technically coming up with creative ways to you know, solve all those things from water issues with um, you know, drought tolerant plants, um, minimal um, irrigation, low flow plumbing fixtures, things like that are gonna be critical to the success of this project. So in the next round, we will see more of these details, it's more creativity, more innovation than we're seeing in this conceptual plan at this point, I would assume. I sure hope so, yeah. Okay, any, any of the uh, committee members have any additional questions? Before we move on? No, I think that, I, I appreciate your question there. I was gonna ask that about water, uh, stormwater capture, and then solar, um, as uh, what opportunities were you guys thinking of there, green gardens, all that kind of stuff, right? So thank you, that was good. I have a question for staff. So um, this will have an EIR, right? I mean, we, where, where are we in that, in that process? I sure, think you so kind of said, Peter, but I'm not sure. Yeah, the, the, this is the conceptual review, so we don't have a formal development application. Uh, when that's submitted, uh, the environmental review will be done at that point. Okay, so I, 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 I want to add, uh, whether it is a, it will be a CEQA study, uh, whether it rises to the level of the EIR or a uh, different type of, of, of CEQA analysis will be determined based on the analysis. But it'll go the to, it, it's not too CEQA yet, and, and that, then when it gets there, we'll determine it. Yeah. Uh, how, how does the city handle going um, with infrastructure and the adjacent, like, mills or the other, the other streets? How, how will, when you have this, this project of this scope, how are you guys dealing with that outside of necessarily the CEQA or EIR or whatever? Uh, which infrastructure? Being able, uh, traffic. Traffic. Okay. So I, I mean, I, yeah. th that's an example, but there's okay. more than that. But I for mean, one, e yeah. e each area of infrastructure is reviewed by the appropriate department. Um, most of them are uh, covered by Public Works or Ventura Water. Uh, the project is analyzed to see if uh, the project itself causes impacts to any of the systems or infrastructure that trigger improvements. Um, as I believe I noted in the staff report, the law does not allow the city to require a project to fix an issue that's already there. So public comment about mills being a bad traffic area, the project's not causing that. The project will have to address what they add to it. Right. So that's, again, there, there is gonna be a traffic study. 
state law also calls for the traffic analysis to look at what the office buildings would, uh, the traffic generated at full operation compared to what the housing is gonna um, generate at full operation. And that is how uh, the impact is, is, is analyzed and, and, and that is what will be looked at. As well as sewer, water, all that. Uh, all that's, I mean, traffic is, there's a lot of traffic that we don't see too, so. The, the, uh, um, the sewer water, every project in town has to do a sewer and water study. This project will have to do that as well. Uh, there'll be impact fees for water and many of these other areas uh, for fire and so on and so forth. So uh, all of that occurs in, in, in the formal process. And nothing's changed like that with the state. They're not uh, eliminating any of that. Because I know that a, lot of, a lot of you guys are yep. under the gun now yeah. for. Uh, impact fees, uh, the state is going to require cities to uh, waive or defer impact fees if a project is all affordable. Uh, but a, a market rate project would 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 have to pay the the standard fees. Okay. Is this is this market rate? It is market rate, but it's 100%? offering no. It's offering affordable units. So, what's the percentage? Elena, do you want to speak to that? We currently have 10% extremely low income slated for the project extremely low income ranges anywhere from 300 to 550 dollars in rent per month these are not rents that i set these are rents that are s stated by housing that we have to adhere to and we signed a 55-year covenant to honor those covenants are you dealing with that in like size of unit or just plain old two, two units next to each other that one's less expensive no it has to be proportionate with the rest of the building so And then, so they're mixed all, all along from very affordable, as you said, and then up yeah, the we, line. We cannot group the low-income units in one location. Right. Uh, the right. the af affordable units at the ELI level that are proposed right now would be scattered throughout the building. Not in the garage. Yeah, definitely not, not the garage. <laughs> and they would be built exactly the same way right. as the market rate units. Cool. Thank you. Okay. I had an additional question just on that. I, I think maybe anticipating some of the public comments as well. I think it's worth trying to get some of the information out there. Um, uh, question for staff. Um, can you describe whether this area is in a special problems area for water or sewer and how the net zero water fees work for developments such as this? Uh, we, we, don't, we won't fully know until the water sewer study is done. Um, that's why every project has to have one because it, it analyzes what the project is going to do to uh, the existing water and sewer system and if it triggers the need for improvement along the lines then the project is required to make that improvement. Um, given uh, just my opinion given the size of the project I think there are going to be some downstream improvements that are, are going to be found. Um, uh, but we won't know until we actually do that study. And then um, the net zero. On, the, on the net zero, there's um, uh, it's, it's, it's a fee that the council set that uh, basically uh, is the development paying for future water rights. Uh, it's, 
I don't know the per unit cost, but it is quite extensive. It, it, it's a high cost. About $7,500 a unit or something like that. Yeah. So this project will have to have to pay that fee. Okay, if there's no further questions, uh, we can move to the next phase, which will be uh, questions from the public. I'd just like to ask you to refrain from applauding or moaning if you disagree with someone. Everyone has a right to speak and, and we will listen. And please note that uh, we are not water engineers, we are not sewer engineers, we are not traffic engineers. We are a design review committee. So I would be most interested in any of your comments that could help us in terms of the quality of the design. Quantity is, is not the issue for us, but quality is. Uh, so uh, with the clerk, uh, uh, let's see. And then if, 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 if when called, uh, speakers can go up to the podium and adjust the mic so you're talking into it. Okay, so basically, are, are there any members of the community or the public that would like to speak on this issue? You do have three minutes uh, per speaker, and it will be moderated by the clerk. Sure, we have received 15 speaker cards at this point. Mr. Chair? Yeah, you're going to need to come yeah. up and address the podium with the card. Uh, I mean, everybody gets their turn. And, and, and the reason for that, sir, sir, the reason for that is the recording can't pick up anything you're saying. So if, 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 if you're able to speak into the mic, then the people watching this or watching. Uh, if you've submitted a speaker card, then there'll be an opportunity to address your questions uh, at that time. Just for clarity, if you haven't, you can put a speaker card in now. Okay. Okay, our first speaker is Robert Leffler. Robert's gonna be followed by Fred White. So there you go. <laughs> and you'll have three minutes. Yeah, the, uh, I live on Maple Street. I've lived there for a decade, and I'm um, a block and a half away. The um, biggest concern, I think this will be an absolute disaster for the neighborhood because of the traffic pattern alone. Forgetting about all of the other things, but um, I have had power outages every year, multiple times, that have been horribly inconvenient, and I can't imagine this is not gonna affect it. I've had, uh, the sewer system has been, had a problem, we've had our streets dug up, and then, the traffic around the holidays or on weekends is absolutely insane. It'll take me 15 minutes to get from a block and a half to Mill Street, let's say three or four blocks. 15 minutes to a half an hour. It's insane. When this project gets done, I can't imagine that it's not going to impact everybody worse. There are times it takes me an hour to get to Mills. The, um, the other thing is, we, we have a beautiful, quiet neighborhood. The uh, residential area, the, um, I don't even really know the name of it, but it's, it's approximately the same number of people, but it's spread over a big area, it's beautiful, um, and it is enough for the neighborhood. I mean, it's, it's not that dense, and it allows the people to move around and it, it looks beautiful. The, the gardens, I forget what the name of the gardens are. The people, a lot of the people here live there. 
but um, you know the right now I need to ask wh how where are the exits and entrance to the um, development? What street? We can address we can address those uh, your questions. Uh, if you address them to the committee, then we'll address those to the the applicant. Okay. Well, I need. I, I would like to know now so that I can go So if on. I may, public comment is not an opportunity to have a back and forth dialogue between okay, the, right, so right, you can so provide your public comments and if the committee okay, uh, wishes okay, to respond to your comments, they can do so. Thank you. I, I'm not really happy about that, but I understand. The, the problem with this is that the neighborhood here is going to be disastrously affected. Ventura County is a small county, less than a million people. We have, um, on, my, on the street, it's quiet. We have, um, the, the quality of life depends on the neighborhood, and the neighborhood is not going to be impacted well with this. It's going to be, you know, higher buildings. I understand that we have commercial structures that are higher. Now we're gonna have residential structures that are higher, and it's much farther off of mills, and the traffic is going to be insane. So we, we've got, you know, in Ventura County, we don't have enough power, we don't have enough water, we don't have enough sewer, and we don't, we have a, um, you know, it's a two-lane street that's going to have all of the um, exits going to the two-lane street. And as far as I can see, just on my street. Right now on my street, when people come out of the existing area that's there, they have to wait five minutes to turn onto Mills a lot of the time, 5, 10, 15 minutes. When 700 people. Mr. Leffler, that's the there, time. Okay, I just think that it's going to be insane because it's already bad. Our next speaker is Fred White. Fred's going to be followed by Lilith. My name is Fred White. I'm a retired general contractor. My wife and I live about 300 feet in front of 290 Maple Court. Proposed 350-unit apartment projects, meaning probably 700 to 1,000 people. That's reasonable to assume, I think. On Cherry Street, in a one-story family neighborhood, every house is one story. It is hard for me to believe that the city of Ventura can even consider this kind of bizarre idea to build a five or six story, uh, drop a multifamily high rise building in a commercial zone. It's zone commercial. It's, you know, they have to have a rezone, they have to demolish office buildings. Ventura is a community of families raising children. People who live in Ventura love Ventura, like the guy that spoke before me. Um, please vote. Now, I'm under the misconception, like probably all these people here, because I couldn't read his name is Levi Hill. I've called him Monday, come up to City Hall, I was up to City Hall twice a day, I couldn't reach him. So I couldn't get the information. This is not about killing the project, this is just a kind of friendly, friendly look at the architecture. This thing is a blight on the, on the landscape of of the world or Ventura. It's just an ugly building. I mean, does that look pretty? I mean, even if it, even if it was, it's just ugly. 
How do I know? One of the houses I built, I designed and built, was on the cover of Architectural Digest. I also did the, the test kitchen for NAP Communication, which owns Architectural Digest, and uh, Bon Appetit, the magazine. We did work for Jack Warner, Johnny Carson, uh, ever, um, a lot of movie stars. I worked with the top architects, other side of the hill, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, Bel Air. I went to Frank Lloyd Wright House. This just, it makes my stomach turn just looking at this ugly thing. I mean, is there anybody that can say, look at that thing and say, boy, that's pretty. No, it's impossible. Again, Such it's as really the not building on the corner of Mills Road, Mills Road and Maple, that whatever they put up there with the plaster things, every time I drive by it, I, I cringe. I'll go on with my story. Um, things that aren't mentioned in the public hearing notice is that it's properly zoned for commercial use, not residential. It would first have to be rezoned to apartment units. Then there are five or six office buildings located on the 4.6 acre parcel that would have to be demolished. Here's a picture of our street. I take pride in ownership of my home along with all the other homeowners close by. This concept defies all logical thinking. Hey, Mr. White, if you could wrap up your comments, please. I'm out of time? Yes, that is the wow. time. Our next. Again, clapping is really not appropriate. Everybody gets the opportunity to speak, and we really shouldn't have any moaning, booing, laughing. Uh, it's just not the way the procedure is conducted. Our next speaker is Lilith. Lilith is going to uh, be followed by Steve McLaughlin. <laughs> I'm short. Um, I guess that I would start, though, with a question. If the issue of public safety on having to do with traffic, i.e. Maple and Mills, where would, what committee, what meetings would one go to to address that issue if this is not the appropriate place? I'm asking staff, committee, somebody. As has been stated, this is not a Q&A. This is your chance to give three minutes of okay. public comment. And you are being rude. You are being rude. There may folks, be people folks. in this room we want to be sure people. that everyone has the opportunity yes. to speak. So if you guys could hold your comments, we'll get through public comment, and the committee will have an opportunity to address any yeah. questions. There are people who support housing in this community. There are people in this room. You are, interru you, you are interrupting the meeting. I'm sorry. Then please stop. Can you be human? Can you be human? Can you stop talking? Can you please, can you please stop talking, sir? Sir, sir, you are interrupting the meeting. If there is a, you know, you'd like to express support, you're more than welcome to go like this at comments. We can do that, but we have to be sure that we give a fair opportunity for everyone that wants to speak here today, and that's what we're attempting to do. So go ahead, Lilith, you have two minutes and 30 seconds remaining. Mm, my question was not intended as a Q&A, but rather than to save time by not speaking on something that's not appropriate. 
um, because I stand at Mills and Main every Friday evening and see the disaster of traffic at Mills, see the emergency vehicles that cannot come down safely, quickly, efficiently from the medical facilities up on Loma Vista. I see them having to stop and wait for the signal to turn green and then go with the traffic and then in the middle of the intersection try to na navigate through the traffic to get, to get to wherever the emergency vehicles need to go. To me, this is a public safety issue and an inappropriate amount of additional vehicles that are going to be put onto mills which cannot handle the traffic it already has. So that is my concern, and I would really like to know what the appropriate venue would be to express that concern if this is not it, but it's not a Q&A time. So my concern is that this having 350 new units there is a public safety issue, totally inappropriate. Mills is a parking lot as it is, and um, it would be a disaster just from a traffic perspective, from a vehicle perspective, from emergency vehicles. They've had to go over the center divider coming down because they could not get through on, on mills going south. They have to go into the no northbound lanes because there's less traffic there. This is not safe. It slows down safety issues. How are fire trucks going to get into this facility? these new housing, how are fire trucks, yeah, gonna be able to get into there, or emergency vehicles, which can't navigate efficiently and quickly Mills Road at this time already. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Steve McLaughlin, followed by Nancy Tomhave. Good evening. Um, what the near-perfect weather, ocean and mountain views, a thriving art community, and endless recreation, dining, and entertainment options, there really isn't much not to like about Ventura, California. That's why I moved here about 30 years ago, and then why did you move here? Um, as you know, there's been way too much development, and this new development's gonna be happening now. Um, in the last few years, wait until they all get completed and occupied, then we have a total gridlock. Um, congratulations. Um, I know this is a conceptual or design. Um, I do work at some detention facilities in charge of them. Unfortunately, this does look very cold to me. Um, so I know it's been approved and all that stuff. It's hard to you know, a little quaint town all of a sudden turned into an L LA, you know, that's disappointing. Um, uh, you know, finally, I know this isn't the right place to talk about traffic. I know there's another, gonna be hearing about environmental impact study, but like everybody's saying, another uh, 600 cars being introduced to Mills and Maple. I'm not sure if anybody's ever been over there. You know, it's backed up from Maple to Telegraph and then it's from Maple all the way to Main Streets. Like this lady in front of me said, the emergency vehicles have a challenge every day trying to go up and down. What if you have a loved one that needs to be helped and they can't get to them? Um, so I'm just thinking, you know, 
we want to be bigger in the future, why don't we do residential in that area maybe? Um, you know, keep it nice and quiet and small little towns so people can get in and out and enjoy themselves. Um, thank you very much. Our next speaker is Nancy Tomhave. Nancy's going to be followed by Jamie um, and Barjay. I guess I'm against this like almost everybody that's here tonight. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, I was thinking, um, I live in Buenaventura Gardens, which is on Dean Drive, the next block over from Maple. And I was thinking maybe some kind of a complex like that would be acceptable there. I think that this plan that they have, it's big, chunky, ugly buildings. And the traffic, as people have kept pointing out, is really, really awful already. We don't need any more of that. And it's not like there aren't, you go along Main Street, there's not like there aren't a ton of new apartment buildings being built already in Ventura. They don't need to take that particular area and turn it into another one. The, um, um, but again, if they want more housing, they can make it a better place, uh, smaller. They don't have to put 350 units there, again, um, like Buena Ventura Gardens. And uh, the other thing, I didn't realize, I thought, this is one thing I think I've learned here on this card I got, it only talked about 290 Maple Court. And this tonight is the first thing I've realized that, are they gonna tear down the entire complex there before, and are they? I, I mean, I don't know, it sounds like all the buildings are coming down. Okay. Well, that means you can make some, um, you can do some of the commercial stuff and some of the nice stuff there, and you can make some nice buildings there. It doesn't have to be like this. And um, so, and I, I really, really, really don't like the whole idea of what's planned. So thank you very much. Our next speaker is Jamie, and Jamie's going to be followed by uh, Judy Hauer. Hi, I'm Jamie Amberhe. I'm a mother of three small children. I live just down the street on Marshall Street, which is literally two blocks away. We walk down, ride our bikes, scooters down Maple Street, very frequently. We love to go to the little coffee shop down the street. I would not feel safe with my children riding their bikes or their scooters with, what, 700 to 1,000 more people living there? The traffic, right? I know this is not a traffic committee. We've addressed that. But the, just the safety. This is not a safety committee, I know. But still, this thing is ugly. I'm just going to repeat everything that everybody else said. <laughs> it's just, you guys really need to just understand, this is not L.A. 
This is Ventura. We are a small family beach community. If you want to build some houses, make it look like the farm up in, out on Satakoy. Those are cute, right? They're like farm style. They're, they're cute. They look cute. This is a prison. Who would want to live there? If you want big apartments, there's that massive complex already going in and wagon wheel and the collection, Oxnard, right? That's enough apartments. Like, that's more than enough. Why do you think we need more apartments here? Like, are those even filled, right? Are there, who's coming here? More people are actually leaving because we don't like the development here. So the growth in Ventura is decreasing. People are leaving. Our school system had a whole, you know, the, the Ventura Unified had a, a meeting because they didn't know why enrollment was down. I can go on another tangent, but still, we don't need all these houses, not houses, apartments, whatever it is. It, it's too much. Thank you. Thanks, Judy Hauer, followed by Chuck Egberg. Good evening. I think the basic question for everybody in this city and maybe the out-of-towners, where is the water? Who is designing a system that takes care of the people of Ventura? We are paying our taxes for the city to protect us, and we can't continue this insane development. We have to ask that question, where is the water? I don't care how beautiful the building is, we are going to have a panic here when we run out of water. It's time to be responsible and ethical. We don't have it. But I will tell you, you'll find some water under your buildings at that site. Look what happened on Mills Road with that one building. You'll find if you do get into this construction, you're going to find underground water, mist. I hate to tell you, but that's the biggest issue that this whole state is facing. So please do something. Take a stand and realize it's time to stop this insanity. It really is. What are we going to do here? It isn't the design. It's the concept of someone coming and taking the lively neighborhood and what are they going to do for the years of this construction? What happens to that? How are the people of Ventura compensated? How is this an improvement for this city? Please consider that. Okay, our next speaker is Chuck Eckberg, followed by Jay Dupoy. Well, first of all, you really did a lot of work on this design, so I have to compliment you on that. It's a lot of work doing this. But the thing that I really question is some of the questions and, that you proposed to this gentleman here. First of all, they're going to have uh, facilities in there inside of, the, of the, your structure for uh, commercial use. Where are those trucks going to go? Is there going to be a sound barrier? When you have that underlying, underlying parking lot, is, and you said that you wanted to have light come through there, well, if there's lights going to come through there, is there not a kind of a vibration from cars going in and out of that parking lot? And the other thing that I have to point out to, and I understand the gentleman over there and says that this, the, the studies have already been done on this. True, they have. But have they been done 
for the mall. Is the mall going to be the mall? The mall is dead. If the mall is transformed into a major complex, what is that going to do? That is the issue that we have here. You guys are looking at a small queue, but there is a possibility that this facility over here, that is the structure that is still there, that might also become housing. I don't know if it is on your radar or not, but is the mall on the radar? And as far as the, the police department and the fire department and all the other ones that you mentioned about the uh, traffic on mills, that's only for this one area. What happens if the mall becomes developed? What happens if this area here becomes developed? You only have two streets there. And that one goes all the way around the perimeter of that. So are the neighbors on that one side going to have excess noise? Are they going to have noise from the, uh, from the parking garages? So it's done nice, but as far as arguing about what it looks like or what the material looks like or how much the setback is, you, you did put your setbacks right. But, you know, there's other things that you guys as a committee should be asking this gentleman. Not how pretty it is, not what kind of uh, shrubbery you're going to have here. That's, that's not what's on the, the plate here. The plate is what is going to happen to the water and what happens if more places are developed in that area? What happens if the mall is developed in that area? You already have an impact on Mills Road. Just think if you had a 10, 15 of these things in the mall. You could probably fit a lot more in there. That's going to be a lot more people. So what, what, that is the question you should be asking this guy. Not, well, you know, the, the, I don't like the, the way the, the, the structure is. That has nothing to do with what actually this meeting should be about. And I have to say I'm really sorry, I'm kind of, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say this. I'm kind of ashamed of all the board members not asking pertinent questions of this individual. Thank you, Mr. Eckbert. And Your that time is, is what you should be doing. So if you do have Thank the, you, Mr. Eckbert. That's the time. Okay. Thank you. Our next speaker is Jay, followed by Deborah. All right, I understand this is a, just a design review. It's not of all the other things that it really takes. And thought it's important. But if we're going to talk about design, we've got to remember the, the feel of this town. It isn't that design. There, you look at every building around there, even the ones with the parapets, they still have um, slope or gabled rooftops with Spanish tile on it. If this is just a design, why can't we design that sub garage subterranean? It's more friendly to the neighbors that they're becoming and not have so abrasively tall buildings. This, there's, this is not a town of tall buildings. It just isn't. And to be, for the developer, to be cooperative to the neighbors that they're impacting, they should take into consideration, spend the extra money, dig deeper, get those garages down. That lowers the whole project by two floors. Right there is going to give a whole different feel. Maybe design the buildings so they're not so contemporary, but more beach, more what this town is about. Why doesn't the developer take some time, talk to the residents on what type of buildings are here? I live in a house just right off, well, I live on, a, on university, and it's, it's a beach bungalow style house. You know, we need to talk about what the communities will accept as far as 
if we have to go through with this, and I know we got a lot of other things we gotta talk about, traffic and water and everything else, but if this is just a design issue, we gotta talk about is that design something that this represents this city, this town of Ventura? I don't think so. You know, it isn't, that's Westwood's cool. You know, a lot of places cool. You look at the, uh, the collection does not represent what Oxnard is. This doesn't represent what Ventura is. If they're really conscious about fitting into this community as a neighbor, they gotta be more friendly on their designing. Ask more questions with the community that they're gonna impact. They're impacting all two-story gabled houses and you know, and even those the, uh, office buildings all had pitch roofs and stuff. I live in a house with a low pitch roof and it's like there's, they're not big square buildings here in this town. That's if this design, that's what we gotta talk about. That's what the committee's gotta talk about. Get that subterranean down under the ground. Get that thing lower, lower that whole mess down. And, and you don't have to have the big high berms there. You're putting the berms there to, to, for less money for digging the uh, subterranean. So I understand that. Setbacks could be farther. You're not, you're not going by the, the feel of the, of the city. You're going by the technical, yeah, you maybe only have, have to have a five foot setback, but that's for a single family dwelling home. That was the intent of those setback laws. Maybe we need more setback. You know, you're going by the rules, but not by the feel. Okay, our next speaker is Deborah. Deborah's gonna be followed by Ann Bradley. I was gonna talk about everything we're not supposed to talk about <laughs> that everybody's already talked about and I can't, I can't beat my husband to Jay's comment, that was good. But I think um, the emotions are running high and this has nothing to do with design but more about, um, you know, I've lived here for 50 years. I worked two jobs to keep a little, me, you know, meager little house and my big dream is to be able to hang on to it with, with taxes in this state and not have to move and sit in my backyard and maybe see the tops of the trees. I sure, you know, I don't have any kind of a view or anything, but I can imagine those, those houses, those one-story houses that you're gonna design this huge building so they can all stand on their patios and look down on their backyards. They've been working for, I mean, how, mu how much skin in the game do these people have? They're coming in in apartments. How long are they staying? I mean, it's just ruins so many retirements and people who have been here and dedicated their lives to their houses. And then you just come in and build a monster. And, and I personally think it's hideous, but um, it looks like you know an institution of some kind. But I just feel really sorry. I don't live where I'm gonna be directly impacted, but I feel really sorry for all the people that are. Our next speaker is Ann Bradley. Ann is gonna be followed by John Howard. Well, I could say ditto, 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 ditto. <laughs> uh, two key words, mass. I, I was, um, first I just wanna say I'm really sad. I'm really, really sad. I'm really sad to see this. I raised my family in Pacific Grove, which is a jewel of a beautiful town, like Ventura is, and now I'm retired, and here's my dream. My kids love to come here and go to the beach. 
Um, so where I live is just a little bit different. I live at the corner of, um, it's good I have my notes here, <laughs> of Mills and Telegraph. So I'm sort of at the other end there. And then what also comes in then to Telegraph is a lot of, uh, which I use a lot now, there's a new signal light at, at College Drive. So I heard somebody else mention College Drive. Well, living on Telegraph Road is pretty much, I call it like the Indy 500. And the other thing is that there are ambulance, there are those retirement homes out there with thousands of people living there and those ambulances go by every hour. They're by every hour going to the hospital. Well, if we have all this traffic, I'm sure that people are gonna start wanting to use that road, that same road, college. And I just, uh, I'm, I'm just appalled and hurt and uh, it's the vision, things, my notes, the visual impact, obviously. Um, I can't believe it, my jaw drops every time I take uh, the, what is it, the 101, take the 101. Those, all, we see this all the way down 101. I used to, when I first moved back here, I lived in Pasadena and South Pass for a while. Pasadena, all of Pasadena looks like that now. You know, and we're seeing it on our other streets here too. So it's, um, we saw this in Pacific Grove too, but the citizens took some action there. So maybe we'll have to do that. But at any rate, um, the other thing I learned in my past life working in Pacific Grove was uh, I was involved with uh, development, local community development. And we, you know, I, I just know an EIR from 25 years ago, what an EIR is. So I was gonna ask, and I guess I'm not allowed to ask, but if there's not an EIR, there's some other term, SEPA or something like that. So, you know, we don't know about these things, but I really would like to have you be sure that there's a very, very intense traffic study that also includes telegraph. And, and that whole area that way, because it's just gonna go up. And it's gonna impact even further up when you try to get on the freeway the other way. We either have to go down Mills or you have to go down to Vic Victoria, and Victoria is a horrendous monster of trying to get down. You, you know, people, it, it's, the traffic is a mess. Mass, massive traffic, those are the key words. Now something I have, I did hear somebody say something about bikes. Did, how many times have you almost hit somebody on a bike? I mean, you know, I wish I could get on a bike, but this is a biking town. We have bike, bike lanes, and I can't imagine, I see all these little kids coming out of school in the afternoon, you know, hanging around there. This is, there's kids right up the block at the junior high school there. And there are people on bicycles all the time. Thank you. Our next speaker is John Howard. John is gonna be followed by Maritza Sullivan. Okay, <clears throat> got a few brief comments. Uh, first two are, are kind of sidebar. Um, to the staff, kind of could you expand that window when you send out notices? This is less than two weeks I was notified of this meeting. I think we should have had more time. Second one is that uh, when the developers came around our community, uh, it was intimated that this was a done deal. I hope that's not true. So as far as the project itself, the proposal has only one ingress and egress is what I'm seeing. So that means they're all gonna come out of Maple Court onto Maple Street. And I don't think that volume of seven, 700 to 1,000 cars is gonna be able to uh, stand that. Imagine going to work in the morning, you have cars backed up all the way down to uh, the college. The other issue is that the traffic flow on mills will increase substantially. It's gonna be a definite future potential for lighting. I mean, for the traffic lights. How are you gonna adjust that traffic light? Is that a consideration? Because you're gonna have cars backed up waiting on a turn signal. 
350 units. That means a minimum of 700 vehicles onto Ma Maple Street daily. No other access other than the Maple Court as it's presented. It's going to definitely impact the traffic. Also, parking. Right now, parking is impacted by going west. There's a condo development. Going to the south, you got the Buena Gardens. And if you've ever been on Dean Drive in the evening, that street is all lined with cars. They can't park anywhere. So it's already impacted the parking already, and my neighbors are complaining about people parking on Maple Street at this time. So he's concerned about the impact that's going to have on street parking. So that should be a consideration. Um, the population is going to increase. I assume with 350 units, I'm estimate it's going to be another 700 people. So with that, there are going to be some concerns regarding crime and crime potential. There's a difference between tenants and residents. So that should be consideration. Um, currently, like I said, we have other uh, condo developments to the west, plus we also have the Pacific View Mall there. But I'd like to end this with three suggestions. One, don't approve the project. Two, the alternative, reduce the scope and size of the project. And three, if nothing else, return the project back to planning and consider the objections you've heard from the people here tonight. That's it, thank you. Maritza Sullivan, followed by Ursula Breton. Good evening, uh, members of the Design Review Committee and also the public who's come and voiced such uh, passionate views. Um, I live at uh, 363 Westland Avenue, so I, d I don't live in the neighborhood, and yet I find and identify with you all as my neighborhood as well, and I think that's how it is with people who live in Ventura. You know, we. It's not just your neighborhood, it's my neighborhood too. That's why I'm here tonight. Um, I'm a native from Ventura. I was born here and I was raised here. I'm also a member and a former chair, travel chair of the Coastal Band of the Chumash Nation. My family has a history that goes way back, many, many generations. I strongly oppose this project because in my opinion, this is not a sustainable project. It's just not. It's my understanding under CEQA, and I know that we're not there yet with CEQA, but as a public agency, you are required to consider the environmental consequences of your discretionary actions. As public servants, you're charged to protect the residents against the imminent threat to health and safety of the persons that live in the area that will be affected by this unsustainable project. Your staff is aware of the substantial input from the public in opposition to this project and yet seems to be motivated to work with this developer because, as stated, an important factor is that this applicant has been very willing to work with staff to address our design comments. This is not true of all applicants. That's quote, unquote. I find this to be a poor baseline for the design review committee to approve this plan. A project of the scale which will adversely impact the quality of present and future residents of Ventura, it's just, please, think about it, walk it back. This is, 
you're not that far down the road with this. Your staff is using guidelines from 1997 and 2008 to move this forward and finds it acceptable to state that there is sufficient water available for this project. The historic drought that is currently affecting all of our lives with the threat of the next Thomas fire is a very real threat, should not be considered an anomaly. I find it to be magical thinking and question what available information the staff used to be confident in our future water supplies. Finally, by all means, approve sustainable projects, but only when they benefit their residents, not the developers. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Ursula Breton, followed by Stephanie Caldwell. Actually, it's Ursula Britton, like the country. My apologies, there's many names on these cards. Um, I'm a little confused because this, uh, why are we building a prison on Maple Street? Um, that's what it looks like to me. Or maybe one of those, um, apartment blocks that they put up in the Soviet Union, you know, where everyone lived in their little concrete warren. Um, this has nothing to do with Ventura. It is hideous. It is one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. Um, start over, if you have to build something there, start over, come up with a design that represents what Ventura is all about, and put the parking underground so at maximum you would only have three stories above ground. You cannot put 350 units in, in this neighborhood. It will not sustain that many uh, units. It, it's just, I mean, this is a nightmare. It is truly a nightmare. I have submitted uh, to the design review committee and to the uh, community development manager and to Levi Hill, who is not very good about returning phone calls or emails. Um, I have submitted my comments to all of you in detail, so I won't take up any more time now except to say that this is hideous. Stephanie Caldwell, followed by Laura Golvison. Good evening, my name is Stephanie Caldwell. I serve as the president and CEO of the Ventura Chamber of Commerce. We have about 750 business members here in the city of Ventura that represent about 25,000 employees. First of all, I want to welcome the new members of uh, the Design Review Committee um, and say that um, I definitely feel like you are the experts in the design. I will leave those comments to you. Um, I just want to go on the record as to say that while we definitely want high quality product here in Ventura, we want it to um, definitely fit in with the neighborhood. Uh, Chair Antelman, I appreciate your comments of 
you know, what is the unique design characteristics. I think the architect definitely heard those comments and this being a preliminary uh, design feedback hearing, I'm sure we'll fold those into the product that actually comes back. Um, the chamber has long identified the lack of available housing at all levels as the single largest economic impediment to our region. And we do have a housing shortage. You know, recently we were named the number one on the list of uh, um, lack of available housing. That's not a list that we want to be on the top of. We want to be on the top of the list of beautiful communities, walkable communities, happiest people, um, all of those amenities that we love so much, and there is a way to fold this project in. I think there's a huge benefit to having a project like this. Um, the other thing that I hear about traffic, traffic is an issue, um, but I think what you'll see is we keep talking about 700 additional cars. Those office buildings won't be there, so the folks that are currently coming in and out of that neighborhood won't be there. It will be just the residents in the neighborhood. So, I just again want to say, you know, we have a housing crisis in California. We have a housing crisis in Ventura, and we need to be able to provide housing. Recently, the city did a resident satisfaction survey, and the number one and number two issues were related to housing. Number one was homelessness, number two was housing, availability and affordability. And this project also, I heard the 10%, very low income. We have very few of those types of product throughout our community. And just a few short weeks ago, there was a product on the um, avenue, Casa del Sol Apartments, where there were residents being displaced and they were in the very low income category. They were not able to find housing within the city of Ventura. Imagine if this product were online those units would be available to those folks so that we could keep our residents. Folks, folks, if we could let the public speaker please complete her comments. You were not interrupted when you spoke. Thank you. So that we could keep those residents here in Ventura who are paying taxes, who have full employment, and all of those things. And I will say again that I leave the design to the professionals. Thank you. Our last speaker this evening is Laura Golovison. I came to Ventura in um, 1949 to live with a foster mother and go to our uh, college high school. They offered uh, grades 13 and 14 free and then I went on to the university at Santa Barbara. Then I really, really, and I've lived in, after I married my husband, came home, he came home from Korea, I graduated. He was a New Yorker. Oh, we gotta get back to New York. I'd never been to New York. And after 10 years, we brought our young family to Disneyland, and he said, why did I ever wanna leave California? And we finally made it back, thanks to that same foster mother. Is this the design review committee that was 
short, short, all the time on people, or do I have a different committee? They said now we had two new members, I believe. Has it been operating on like two or three people all this time? Is, am I right, sir? Okay. <laughs> uh, because if that was the case, uh, I was going to suggest no more huge projects like this with two people, you know, mapping out our future if there is one in traffic. So, um, oh, uh, and so many things that I put down were already answered by the good questions. And Lilith, Lilith you started us off on a high note here. Um, the, have you taken into consideration where is the water coming from? I have gone down to City Hall with old time water engineers and the city said, oh, we have 385 da, 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 in the Ventura River. He would cringe. Person after person would challenge these statistics. We don't have all that water in the Ventura River. Ventura River and the wells, and this one's polluted. Well, they finally came around. Hey, we've got a problem with water. So I just think um, we're way ahead of ourselves. Already, um, the water situation is bad. Edison's having these rolling blackouts. How are we going to accommodate? Yeah, everybody would like to live in Ventura, but it just can't happen. Then they talk about affordable price even, I think, 10%. Well, I've noticed being a political and news junkie over my entire 90 years, got it at a birthday party, that um, they start out with this and people say, oh, that's good. Then they make progress and they make progress and then they come back and say, you know what? Sorry, folks, we can't afford that. So think of the traffic and let's hold this type of thing very wrongly placed. And that concludes our public speakers cards this evening. Okay, I'd like to thank everybody for their comments. Uh, I think I can speak for the committee that we did listen to what you had to say. So I'm closing the public uh, hearing portion and I do have some questions for staff before we deliberate. Um, could staff just review the uh, uh, exit and entrance to the parking spaces? Sure, so as shown on the screen right here, you have a entrance off of Maple Street, and then the other garage is accessed off of what is currently Maple Court. Great, thank you. Um, my second question is maybe the Mr. Hill can clarify this. Uh, who do we contact when we have concerns about public safety, about water, about sewer? What's the appropriate venue to express concerns? I, I don't believe it's here at this committee. Sure, so when a formal application is submitted and after it is deemed complete, after the environmental review is completed and all those analysis have been done, uh, the planning commission hearing would be the appropriate forum for that discussion. Okay, has this design been approved? Oh, go ahead. If there are questions about existing conditions, uh, there are departments for each of, of, of these issues. Um, we have a transportation division. If you have uh, inquiries about 
existing traffic issues. We have a water department if you have questions about water. Uh, if you go to the city's website, you can find emails and phone numbers uh, for all of these. If it's about this project, then the uh, best thing to do is to provide written comments to staff. Uh, email address and phone numbers are, are, are on the board. You can wait to attend the public hearing. Uh, but as we noted, this project hasn't even applied, made a formal application yet. This is a, a, a conceptual review. Uh, it will be a while before those hearings happen. So if you have questions that you would like answered, uh, don't wait to ask. Uh, often hearings aren't really the forum for questions. As, as you're seeing, it's a forum for comments. Questions, please ask us. That's why on the boards it has, it has contact information. Uh, we, we are not able to immediately answer questions. It does take some time. There is volume. Uh, but we will get to all, all of those. Uh, and as I said, there are other departments involved in uh, uh, all the issues that, uh, that the public has raised. Uh, can the public go to council meetings, go to planning commission meetings and, and voice concern? Is that a venue where these issues can be addressed? The public has the right to attend uh, uh, planning commission and council meetings and speak during public comment about items not on the agenda. Honestly, the best thing to do is to ask staff because you go to a council meeting and speak during public comment and they're going to encourage you to ask staff. So uh, you certainly can do that. Uh, I think the direct approach is to talk to the experts. If it's water, we have water experts in, 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 the, in, in the water department. If it's transportation, we have transportation experts in, in public works. Okay, and this project has not been approved, correct? Uh, there is no action being asked because it's just a conceptual uh, a conceptual review. Uh, the uh, recommendation from staff is that DRC provide as many comments on the design uh, so that as this project moves forward, they can be considered by the applicant. Okay. A what quick is follow up. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, is any formal uh, motion requested or required or is it just comments? I believe I believe it can be just comments because this is conceptual. Um, uh, what I what would very help very much is if you hear one of your peers say something that you agree with to chime in that you agree because part of it is is um, trying to see the items that the majority of the of of of, of, of the committee are identifying. So if if Chiming in on agreeing or possibly disagreeing and having a different idea is, is, is very helpful. I don't believe a formal motion making a list of items is, is, is necessarily important. Uh, while it's challenging, one of, of, of the benefits of making sure we're always talking into the mics is that we're able to go back to the recording and then <coughs> go through all the things that are said and, 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 and the applicant's able to see that as well as the public and, and staff. Okay, what is the approval authority of the Design Review Commission? Uh, the DRC's authority is to review and make recommendations on design. Uh, pretty much every design project has a development permit associated with it, which um, uh, requires approval by another body, either at an administrative hearing or at the planning commission. Uh, so for the most part, the, the DRC, when this becomes a formal application, would review this again, 
uh, and make a recommendation to whichever hearing body is making, making the decision on the entire project, the, the CEQA part of it uh, and, and the design part of it and, and such. Uh, for this project, that would be the Planning Commission. Okay. Uh, does the city have a height limitation? Uh, yes. Uh, every, pretty much every parcel of land in the city is in a certain type of zoning district. Uh, those zoning districts have uh, very height limitations. Um, this particular zoning district uh, it allows six stories up to 75 feet tall. Okay. Does anybody else on the committee have some questions? I, I, I had a couple follow-up questions as well. Um, what is the anticipated permit type based on the concept plans have been a, that have been approved? Is it just design review or are there any other uh, discretionary approvals necessary? It's hard to say at this time, but it'll definitely be a major design review um, and likely a plan development permit. And um, you mentioned the Planning Commission would be the ultimate decision maker with the road vacation. I would assume that that would need to go to City Council. And would that be uh, completed as part of this project application or is that separate from this? At, at, at this point, it's not certain because uh, it will very much depend on the underlying ownership. Uh, is, is the right of way an easement? Do we actually own it in fee? Um, if, if we own it in fee, I would, I would expect we would take the whole project up to council. Uh, if we don't actually own it and we've just been using it as a street and the applicant actually owns it, then uh, uh, it makes it a different kind of action. So that's uncertain at this time? I'm not aware of the answer at this time. Um, are there any, do you, you happen to know, um, you may not, you may defer to Public Works, but do you know if there are any CIP capital improvement projects anticipated for the Mills or Mills and Main intersection or Mills and Telegraph at this time? Uh, I'm not aware, but that's something we, we can certainly look into. And uh, we've notified um, the transportation division to, to expect inquiries about, about the intersection and, and the roadway segment. Because I, I agree with many of the comments. It is a terrible intersection, um, and it is extremely trafficked. Um, I, I will say, for the benefit of the public, that uh, sitting the time that you sit in your car is no longer an, a significant impact under CEQA. Um, they've modified those rules so that it's vehicle miles traveled. So trying to uh, put housing in our urban centers is, is what the state is is trying to accomplish, and I think what is supported by many of our general plans. Um, now, I will say, and this is also a question, are there any general plan policies related to level of service um, that still exist, and will a level of service traffic imp impact study be required? Yes, uh, level of service is going to be part of the traffic analysis and as, as you stated, it won't be a CEQA issue, but it will be a city policy issue. A policy consistency yes. issue. And do we know what the LOS of Mills and Main intersection is currently? No. Oh, I just have one question for, can I ask a question of uh, applicant? We gotta open the public forum for up appli here. For applicant? For applicant, yes. Maybe you can direct it to staff and see. 
I'll ask you guys. Do you guys know if there was any uh, community outreach or meetings or uh, from from the applicant to the community? It's our, uh, it's our understanding that yes, there was. There was. Okay, then we'll move into deliberation. Um, I think we all have something that we'd like to say and add and hopefully could improve the uh, aesthetics of this project. Um, hopefully we can come to some type of consensus. Um, I'll try to take some notes and then maybe we can just pull the members and see what we're comfortable with. Um, Curtis, would you like to start? Uh, sure, thank you. Um, yeah, first opening, this is my first meeting and quite a doozy, I might add, <laughs> but I'll make my way through it, I think. Um, first impression was aggressive, this design. Um, I, what, I'm having the issues mainly around the south building and the interface with the uh, adjacent neighborhood. Uh, we've got four stories set 40 feet back from the property line there. We also have um, the access to parking from that, so I don't know if there's a gate that's gonna go up and down continuously right across from the neighbors there and the constant flow of cars uh, through there. One of the things I would like to know is the traffic impacts of having uh, the drive from the southern building directly onto Maple and basically Maple Court becomes a long driveway for the northern building. Would it be, how would it affect the traffic to actually have them both feeding onto Maple Court so that the only impact on Maple Street would be that one intersection. I, I don't know what the answer to that would be. Um, but the massive building adjacent on the south side to the parking lot, to the uh, neighborhood seems um, just too much, uh, too big. And so I would, um, I believe uh, somebody talked about the E-shape so that at least we're having a short side uh, addressing that, that um, east property line. Um, the design, uh, I, I looked at KTGY's website and um, it, there's, uh, they have quite a history of a lot of construction of uh, apartment and housing. And so I see a, a style here that is um, part of what they do. And I know you've done one structure, I think in the East End, the Citron Court, off of Wells, which is a, a nice um, modernist type of building. What my impression of the design here is that it, it draws more from the commercial aspect of mills than it does from the adjacent neighborhood. Now, of course, the scale is so much greater than the typical one-story buildings in the adjacent neighborhood. But there's a wonderful quality of that neighborhood that's based on like mid-century, the uh, um, low-slung roofs, and, and it has a lot of wonderful architectural detail that speaks to mid-century design. 
and it's uh, one of the wonderful neighborhoods where you can find that particular kind of design. And the abruptness between like what I see on the cover image here and that neighborhood is a bit jarring. So I would suggest looking at particularly on that eastern side to see how it could more address the adjacent neighborhood. And then have the massing a little bit more um, restrained than what uh, we're seeing there. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that right now. I'm going to try something so you, 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 Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Go I'm going to try something a little different. Does anybody have any concerns with what Curtis has said? No, but I wanted to say that I actually concur with most of what Committee Member Cormain just said. So. Okay. Uh, Tony, do you have any concerns with what he said? No, I, I agree as well. Okay. Any, any concerns? No, he was. Okay. Tony, your turn. Um, thank you for those comments. As, as I mentioned, I, I generally agree with uh, all of those statements as well. I think for me overall, um, the, and I am generally a housing advocate, I don't shy away from from height and putting housing in our urban centers. I, I truly don't. So this, this doesn't feel like a neighborhood necessarily, and I think that's what I'm struggling with. Um, this feels, especially given the fact that this is accessed with a private driveway for 350 units, uh, just doesn't sit well with me necessarily. Um, if, it, if it is a public right-of-way, I, I strongly, um, would recommend the city not vacate that that uh, access road or its easement, and that that be designed as a a standard public road um, with parking on either side, uh, sidewalk, parkway, and the like. Um, I think that streetscape will help uh, make it feel more like a neighborhood, tie it into the adjacent um, community much more. Um, and that does tie into the into the massing as well. Um, I, you know, essentially these are two, three-acre, two-story podiums uh, on on either side. Um, it feels quite out of scale. I think if it is possible to uh, put those parking structures underground um, and have much more of that at-grade pedestrian experience. I think that will will help a lot with it feeling much more uh, consistent with the surrounding neighborhood. Um, personally, I think for that there could be opportunities to consider uh, alternate product types. Uh, I know that we have sort of the townhouse uh, surround uh, surrounding the structures and then the stack flats above. Um, I'd like to see those differentiated a little bit more um, and not necessarily be so rhythmic uh, and repetitive. I, I think I'd like to see some additional uh, variety and undulation in those. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll also reiterate this is, um, a catalytic project for this stretch, sort of, uh, and for the Mills corridor uh, in its entirety, especially with the potential, you know, future 
possibilities of the Pacific View Mall site. I think being able to help make this feel like a more uh, residential or mixed-use community um, would be certainly appreciated. I think in terms of style, I agree that it feels it's leaning more toward the commercial side rather than the residential, and I think if you can tilt that the other way, uh, I think it would be more successful. Um, I would like to see some, uh, some thought and effort put into alternative modes of transportation, um, bikes, car share, uh, obviously traffic is a, a concern here, uh, whether it's perception or reality. Um, regardless, I think for livability of these units and for liv livability of the neighborhood, I think that those, those types of considerations and thoughtful amenities uh, are something that, that uh, both residents and the community would appreciate. Um, and then in, in terms of public safety, um, I, I it's hard to say. I know that we submit plans to fire and some occasionally police to, to review. Um, I, I think in this case, just to set the record straight, p potentially there could be some type of study regarding the impact to service times um, for both fire and, and police. Um, I think that, that that may help um, everybody understand the project a little bit more. That's a comment for staff. I'd like to, on your uh, keeping Maple Court as, as a public right-of-way, um, where and entering the, the podium in a different spot, where would you propose that they enter into the one that comes off of Maple Street? Is that what you were saying? Um, I, I think that's a long private driveway to be served with just a, a 25 foot, you know, um, two-way travel lane. I'd like to see that widened so that there could be parallel parking at least on one side. So Maple Court being being widened, and uh, do you enter? Do you still enter off of Maple Street? Uh, I could still see there being an entry for that particular building off of that one. Um, but in, in terms of it just being more open for pedestrian and, and vehicular access to the north building and the commercial uses that are in that cent central courtyard, I guess I'll call it, um, I think right now it feels sort of closed off to the, the neighborhood and I think having a, a standard width um, constructed right-of-way for Maple Court could help with that. So let me try a poll again, uh, Curtis. Any objections to what Tony has mentioned? Any concerns? William? Um, no, I pretty much concur with Thomas <laughs> Alwell also, but uh, it, yeah, I was trying to make my, my talk pretty brief. Okay, Jack, any concerns with what? Uh, with what he was saying? With William said. I mean, what uh, Tony has said, his comments. Oh, I think they're. Okay, William, uh, you want me to? Yeah, your turn. Okay, well, yeah, I concur with most of that. I, um, water is a concern <laughs> to the public. I mean, it's a huge concern. Um, it's a concern for the future. It's a concern for the state. Um, 
the and I think we we do need to address all that stuff, but we that's not it isn't what we do here. Um, I do think that the massing on the on the residential side <coughs> should feel it, it 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 is taking off of the especially like the it feels like the William Pereira building the the one that's on Mills and it's taking more of that and I actually you know I actually love that building so I'm okay with sort of that on the mill on the mill side when we go back towards the residential side the the neighborhood that wasn't there when the gentle lady moved here in 1946 and probably everyone complained about building houses um, the but that but there's a, I think that the parking can go down I don't see how it it can't go down a level how the podium can't lo be lowered and right now it's just a, it looks like a blank wall on many of the houses that are on Wesley Avenue and that that should that could be lowered and I think the entire project could be lowered on that side and be again more residential in that area so there could be sort of the a a commercial front to a to a residential front then they um, they should address more of the sides I and I, I don't have a problem with the with the, the boxiness of the building. I have a problem with the modernis modernism of the building. I, I but I do think that it it can be broken up to address each side differently. Um, I also don't really want it to get shorter because I'm figuring that if you go shorter and you're going to try and get all those units, you're probably going to lose open space. And I think that the open space of the project is really important to keep the open space for the residents here. And then if 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 you did go taller, you could go taller on the on the mill side of the project, um, and then I guess that that's basically what it is. It it, it it it's massive. It's it feels too massive for the for the residential neighborhood. It doesn't feel too massive for mills for me, um, but it feels too massive on the on the mill side, and uh, that's tricky. I think it's really hard to tell from your from your SketchUp model um, what you what it really is going to turn out to be. I think you've got a long way to go be to work with the, with the, I hate saying this, but the, the architecture, the, the, the design of it, the design of it and the feel of it. And people said it looks like a prison. It doesn't look like a prison to me. I've never seen the deck on a prison. But um, it, I think you can take it a long way from there to make it have a much more residential feel. Even, even, on, the, even on the mill side, you can have it have a much more residential feel. The commercial, should be commercial. Uh, I don't have a problem with that, but I think that you you can address the kind of the, the two fronts that you're on. I suppose you're on three fronts and then the school. Does anyone have any concerns with uh, William's comments? Okay. Any aspect I would add for the water is that um, there's a lot of courtyards and rooftops, so there's a lot of surfaces in this building that need to be addressed and how that water is taken care of. Yeah, and I, I would hope that you, you know, every building, every site now should contain their, can contain their water, collect their own water. And that's, that sometimes has to be voluntarily, voluntary, not all, in all, and not in a lot of cities they actually are required to. I mean, just went through it where not one drop of water could leave the site. 
So that's how I think that that should be addressed. I mean, I think that the water is a huge concern. I was kind of talking more globally water, but uh, the, but on the site, you can do whatever you can to make that sustainable for water and collecting the water. I think that, that every effort should be made to do that. As well as I'm, I'm looking forward to the landscaping because you've got a lot you can do with the landscaping on, on, on all sides in the courtyards. There's so much that, that you can do uh, with landscape and to be able to soften it, to shade it, to not be a solar, totally a solar sink or cl um, collector. And I think that when we see the, the, the landscape plan, it'll be really beneficial. But I do, I do appreciate the, the courtyards and the open spaces, so I, I encourage you to keep, keep those. Thank you. Again, uh, any concerns on those comments? Okay. Uh, Zach, your opportunity, since you practice in Ventura, I'd, I'd be very interested in what advice or recommendations you might want to make about landscaping in Ventura. Yeah, and stuff can, can we ask staff questions? Yes, sir. Okay, I don't want to get out of order here, but um, having to do with, you know, I, I think sometimes when an applicant and, you know, designers come into these, to, you know, whatever area you're going into, you, you always are looking to, like, you know, the, the, the general and the specific plans, and, and I understand this particular area doesn't have a specific plan, right? This location is not located in the form-based codes, which typically includes those standards. Right. Now, is, is that something that is going to be worked on in the future um, anytime soon or, or not at all or where are we? Yes. So that's partially what's going to be discussed at the, uh, with the housing overlay uh, the workshop that's scheduled for the 31st of this month. Right. That, that's the one you, that's where we're going to address that. Okay. Um, with, with that being said, is there, I, I guess we could, w once that, workshop is kind of whatever comes out of that, then we might be able to give the applicant and the architect more direction with, with in, in regards to like style, like you know, what I'm trying to get at is again, everyone's talking about that this feels kind of more institutional, more like kind of international style almost. And uh, you know, I wholeheartedly agree with that and would really like to see it, you know, the, like the materials and everything more in kind of a Ventura style. And now that's where, you know, the debate is could get hot and heavy. You know, some people talk, you know, that kind of coastal bungalow or the mid-century next, you know, in, in that neighborhood, there's some very good examples of mid-century. So like, I, I think there where, where we could be the best um, help to, to the applicant and the architect is, you know, what, what is the appropriate style to kind of go to instead of having them kind of come back and forth. So that's kind of my dilemma here is, is to give them, you know, good direction that way. Um, but that would be my one concern again, making it more um, residential in feel, um, breaking up this, the mass. I would say too, what about, you know, I do appreciate there's these plaza spaces on the podiums. Was there any thought of like, how can you connect our people once they get on one podium, how do you get to the next one? Is that something that you might want to do to kind of bring that idea of community, not just to those isolated little, you know, units with, you know, here's my plaza, you know, I don't know what's going on with those other plazas. Maybe you could have flying bridges. That is if you have to have it at the podium level. I think I agree with everyone too. If you guys, I know I heard it didn't pencil out, but if you get it down, you know, the, the, the parking garage down, that's always, you know, a, a big positive. 
the other big thing, climate resilience. That's, I think everyone here is, has concern about water, and so I think every new development we do has to kind of be almost self-contained. It, it can create its own electricity, capture its own water. I mean, we're just in a different world now. So, um, it, and I, kn I know the city and, and the staff is, is telling us that we have that, but um, will, will we have it in the future? You know, that, that remains to be seen. So, um, and then I agree with uh, trying to get the commercial maybe more on Maple Street where it gets more use. It's not just specific to that, like that little plaza area. Uh, sure, you could have like a, a few units there that are more specific like, you know, daycare or um, th those kind of activities. I, I can understand that, maybe like a little coffee shop or something, but something a little more or um, like a restaurant or something on, on the corner I think would really help activate that development with the, the greater community. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I think those are, that's the end of my little comments there. Thank you. Anyone have any concerns with Jeff's comments? Okay, I guess it's uh, my turn. Uh, I think what you might want to address is maybe decreasing the verticality of the design. My, my wife tells me when she wears a dress with vertical stripes, she looks taller, and when she wears one with horizontal stripes, she looks wider. Uh, I would encourage you to go more horizontal with the design, and that might help get the massing down. Um, I don't want to keep repeating things, but if you could sink this building down into the ground a little further, uh, I think that would be tremendous. Um, I'd also like to see the roof activated. Uh, I'm a very big fan of green roofs. Uh, there's you know, improvements with stormwater management, they reduce urban heat islands, they improve efficiency and mechanical equipment, they reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, I, I think that roof has quite a bit of area. Why exclusively put a bunch of ugly mechanical equipment up there? And realize about a quarter of the city on the hillside is gonna be looking down at that roof, so let's give them something nice to look, look at. Uh, there's a number of new projects that have uh, that are under construction and some have been completed where the roofs have been activated and I think the planning director can clue you in to take a look at some of these, these buildings. They, they seem to be working very, very, very well. Um, I'd encourage you to maybe have more street activation and maybe that could get getting the units lower down the street so you can have eyes on the street. Uh, I think that would be very, very helpful. Uh, otherwise, I pretty much concur with, well, I, I do concur with everything that has been said by the other four four members. Uh, I don't know if you've been taking notes. I've been taking notes too. Okay. And we're recorded. <laughs> so, can I can I piggyback on you a little bit? Yeah. Go ahead. The activation of the of the roof would be amazing, and you've got you got solar opportunity. You've got green opportunity. You've actually got people opportunity. But if you if you did go with it was actually activated, you keep that away from people look, being able to look down on their neighbors. I mean, you know that, but that I think that activating the, I mean, using the roof it w is huge. I mean, it, it right now is just gonna be a, a, just a mass collector. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I don't think this city has explored, but if you're in San Francisco, they have this thing called a hidden park. Are you familiar with that? Every new project has to get des designated small, public space that is open to the public. Uh, they don't advertise it, they don't put signs out. 
but uh, if there was a way that you could really activate that loop to maybe somehow get the public up there for either a restaurant or coffee or just make it a nice space, uh, I think that could be a real asset to, to your community. I'd also like to, this is, I guess, more for staff or for you and, and for staff, but the meandering kind of from courtyard to courtyard or being able to go from courtyard to courtyard to where it's actually more of a public space versus my little space in my building. I thought that that was, that was really great. That might be very difficult, but I think if you could somehow achieve that or have something like that, I thought that was a, that was a great idea. And I think it would be beneficial for you know the, the whole project. Okay, so we don't need a motion or anything. We can just ask you to forward our comments to the applicant for his consideration. Don't even need to ask to forward the comments because the applicant has, has received the comments. I, I, I was he listening? <laughs> <laughs> he, he can always go back to the recording. Um, <laughs> I would like to to uh, note just to manage expectations, as as we noted in the original staff report, um, the project meets the allowed density and is under the maximum height. Uh, our abilities to require much of what you what you suggested, we don't have. That doesn't mean we can't work with the applicant and try to get as much of what, what you asked for, but I just want to manage expectations uh, because adding required changes when we don't have an objective standard for them is not something we're allowed to do. Well, I want to make sure that I was, what I said was clear, that I wasn't actually trying to say that they lowered the building. In fact, I think in, on, over on the mills, you commented it could maybe even get taller, parts of it. And that would be okay in, in parts of the project. But I think that it needs, needs to reflect the, the edge it's on. It's, it's got different edges, and I think that it should reflect those edges. I didn't mean to, to imply that they needed to get lower by any means. So I don't, and I didn't, con I don't concur with anyone that said that. Okay, I mean. I think it's understood that all of our comments are suggestions, recommendations. I think your staff report was, was quite clear um, in that. Yeah, it, it part of this is, is also managing expectations of the public as well because <laughs> oh, okay. we had <laughs> legal constraints. Or for addressing massing, which is one of the issues talked about. <laughs> you know, I agree with, with Bill. I would rather see the massing increased at internally at by pulling it back on the edges. And so if that is possible. That's I think a very important point. Like if it, is it basically is it more important to continue to reduce massing on the neighborhood side, even if that means possibly increasing massing on the other side of the project that isn't next to the neighborhood. I think that's what I that that's what I'm trying to say. I think that was my original comment. That's why I was thinking too, like okay. where you know you, you sacrifice here, then you could add a little bit here, and then if eventually we're all going to six stories, if that's you know the kind of fix at this point, I don't know. You guys are telling me. Um, yeah, because we're trying to densify. You know, what if if we're asking the applicant and everybody to kind of stay low, but then a few years later it all goes up. That wasn't. So, but again, how you do it with architecture, the access, do we want more of a grid kind of pro, you know, um, uh, type of orientation here or organization for the structures? You know, the, there's all kinds of little subtle things there. And, and again, this, they're just getting started on, on this. And I think you guys- These are all issues we can explore. Yeah. One thing I would encourage you 
sometimes if you come in with a plan A and a plan B, you know, get us to work with you. Uh, maybe we can come up with a hybrid, or maybe you say, we don't like B, but we like A. You know, maybe give us a little bit of ownership in, in helping to guide you in, in, a, in a better direction. Anything else? Yeah, I, I don't think the neighborhood's going to become six stories. So I do think that that is an existing neighborhood. And the I mean, the corridors might, and that area probably will. But um, it's it, the single family, you know, 50s, not quite modern um, neighborhood is probably going to exist. So just, ha just have respect for your neighbors, really, is more what I'm trying to say while while massing massing it over on, on this. Oh, one more thing I, I might add what I was noticing is like the private patios. Um, I think more development of that. I was just on the web the other day looking at some great project they did over in Denmark, which I, I love that country there. And th they just did this really great job of just popping out the private patios, you know, pop, 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 and then they're able to capture, all, you know, the, the breezes and the, and, the, and the solar aspects, but again, it, it still, you had your basic efficient box, but just enough articulation and, and character. Um, that, that might not, I'm not saying that's the approach to do here, but you know, that, that kind of thing, yeah. but really, again, make sure each unit really has a, a, a viable patios um, or a balcony space is what I mean, that's a balcony. Yeah, or condo. Okay, if there's nothing else, then uh, we're going to move to staff communications. Yes, um, it's sort of already been introduced uh, that at our next, uh, we're having a special DRC meeting on, on the 31st, um, and the topic is uh, to discuss the form-based over overlay zoning district, and it is quite timely being after this item because really the whole purpose of that overlay is to develop a tool where we can apply the form-based codes that uh, uh, mostly, I think, are working in our specific plans to sites like this that have no objective standards other than heights and setbacks. Uh, the overlay is intended to be that tool. We want to build off of our existing plans, uh, downtown, midtown quarter, and, 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 and Victoria quarter, take what's what works, uh, hear about what hasn't worked with those codes, um, make adjustments as needed, uh, so that down the line, another project in this zoning, uh, you know, the city could have already applied this overlay to it, which puts objective standards about building placement, massing, and, and so on and so forth. That would clearly give the city a lot more authority in having, um, I won't say control of the of the of the design, but definitely more influence uh, in in the discussions and such. So between now and the 31st, uh, please do think about the form-based code projects that have come forward, uh, where you believe the form-based codes have worked very well. Uh, I think we all know there are certain things that have never made sense or maybe don't make sense anymore, and exceptions have been done. I throw out the uh, parking not in the uh, front 50% when I think we all know as long as you blocking the view of it with a meaningful size space, the 50% is not what matters. That's the type of thing that we, we like to, well, we already have that on our list, but those are the type of things that uh, 
we'd like to hear about. I think this is, again, a great example because what are things that you did comment on that we would want to put in these type of overlays for when this overlay is next to a single family neighborhood versus when it's next to office commercial because we are gonna want different type of treatments in those cases. So uh, we're very excited to bring this forward. Um, I will note that some in the public who keep track of, of the projects and such, I don't know that they understand the goal and purpose. Uh, I, my hope is when th th that they'll attend this and they'll see that the whole purpose of this is to get the standards to apply to give more certainty for all parties, including the residents of, 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 of what gets built. Uh, we're gonna be inviting local design professionals, not just local design professionals, we're gonna be inviting design professionals and developers who work on housing projects, inviting uh, our community interest groups. Uh, we have uh, pro-housing interest groups. We have interest groups that uh, have concerns with <coughs> certain aspects of new housing development. Uh, we do expect it will be a we hope it will be <coughs> well attended, so we're looking at a different location than this room, a uh, slightly larger one. We haven't been able to find it yet, so stay tuned. Uh, and just to be clear, the consultant working on this will be attending, so they will be leading it. Uh, and um, nothing is written yet. This is just the first step in uh, getting feedback. 6 p.m.? It will likely be 6 p.m., yes. 99% chance. Do I have it here? Yeah. Peter, what will the format of that meeting be? How do we intend to sort of workshop <coughs> these things? Yeah, that's still being worked out, um, but we do want it to be much more, it, it, it's, it's not a formal agenda item, therefore the intent is for it to be much more uh, dialogue-based, so like the, the rules about public comment, you, could, you can't ask questions and you can't, right. the goal is to not have that be how, how the meeting will. It's not a public meeting. It, it, it will be pub a public meeting that they can attend, but it won't be the type of meeting that has those rules because again, it's just a workshop where ideas are Robert's exchanged. Order. We're gonna <laughs> try to make those as softened as possible to have dialogue. And um, is this the first of multiple uh, that we anticipate? And will there be sort of a, not a formal staff report, but will, will we be receiving information prior to review? Because <coughs> we are building off of our existing form-based codes that are in place, uh, we don't know how much, how, ma how many rounds of this we're gonna do. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's, a wait and see. One of one of the, the time constraints on this item is that, uh, as part of the housing element, sites that we identified for housing that didn't already have the zoning that allows um, the housing we were assigning to it, we have to rezone in a certain period of time. Um, so there is a time constraint to get something done, and if we don't get these overlays done, we're going to have to assign a zoning district that has no form-based codes, in which case it's gonna be a case like the last item where setbacks height, that's really all we can, we can require. And we really wanna be able to get something in place and, and uh, 
so that those round of projects uh, are a different exchange of, uh, of city review versus what, what the applicant is able to do. Have any other cities in the five counties taken the lead in this, like San Luis Obispo or Santa Barbara? Do we have any good yeah. examples? There, there, there are many cities that have done objective design standards. Uh, many of them look very relatable to our form-based codes. Uh, it's, it's my opinion that our form-based codes, when adopted, were pretty, pretty good, pretty cutting edge. Most of them were adopted in 2007. Things do change, and, and, and they need to be looked at. And I don't think we've taken the time to go back and look at them. So uh, our consultants have done these type of objective standards in other communities. Uh, we do know Santa Barbara has, has done some. Uh, so we will be looking at those, at, at those kind of options as well. Uh, but this initial meeting, uh, end of the month, is really more of a dialogue of uh, DRC's experience, working with our current codes, or if you've worked with other codes elsewhere, as well as our design professionals, as well as our interested members of the public. So it's not going to be one where consultants coming in and saying, here's what we propose. It's more of a, you've worked with these codes, what do you think? What can we do better? Uh, may I request from staff, um, since I'm a newbie, um, access to some of the form-based codes, community, you know, whether it's PDF or whatever, yep. but just so I can Absolutely. Re-acquaint re yep. I, I just request, I think there's, having been somewhat part of these objective design standard conversations in other communities, um, there is a lot that goes into, that can go into them from, you know, high level building massing orientation down to lighting and landscape standards uh, and everything in between. And so um, some type of kind of organization, I think, to how we kind of tackle, you know, the, the various design considerations, um, I think would be helpful to just kind of steer, steer the meeting. That's all of staff's communication. Well, if we're going to have members of the public, you might want to just review what form-based codes are, give everybody a little bit of an introduction, oh, yep. so they know where you're coming from and where we'd like to go. Yes, uh, there's going to be an introduction. There's going to actually be a lot about law, uh, which we like to skip, but we do think that all parties at the table need to understand uh, why creating these objective standards are important. Um, so yes, there's going to be there's going to be background. There's going to be a presentation that. Admittedly, will be less for DRC, uh, but but for members of the public, and then we will get into a, a lot of the dialogue. The Planning Commission will also attend. No, it's just a, this is uh, only a DRC meeting. Okay, since nothing else, and uh, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you, new committee. Thank you. Yeah, great comments. Comments. Thank you for having us, man. Appreciate it.
teach the design class okay. and I often have architects come and do critiques um, if you want to go to the point of being able to you know see them s several times over the course of the mm -hmm. semester and just kind of you know, give some of your knowledge so I would love to